0: Bo, a bo, a bo, 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 a bo, a bo,
1: a bo, 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 hello and welcome to the Gaming Fix Final Fantasy VII Remake Spoiler Cast. I am your host Andre Cole, aka your silent, brooding protagonist. I am joined today by Materia Master Chris Adgerton.
0: Oh, God, why Why is that me? Why is that... Okay, Um. hi. I am Chris Edgerton. You may know me from uh, the Spider-Man podcast or the uh, review that I just did re- more recently uh, for MLB The Show, which is still a great game. You should still pick that up if you can.
1: Glad to know it hasn't deteriorated in quality in like the two weeks since you wrote that review. Yeah. Sometimes service games can do that. Uh, also yeah. joined today by... Jeffrey Davis, Chocobo racer. I raced Chocobos in my past and
2: I went through the 45 hour side quest just to get the gold colored Chocobo and man, my thighs are just killing me.
1: And Chadley Stan, Patrick God. Cotter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess I kind of,
3: I'm mostly just like Chadley cause I've, kind of fucking lost it when he showed up <laughs> just like <laughs> i was like that name that voice <laughs> everything that about look him. that google glass <laughs> that he's google, like, that monocle google
2: glass
1: <laughs> he's like oh yeah hey i work for I'm a, I'm a shinra intern and you know i want you to do all this like battle stuff for me so i can do research for shinra yeah i'm like Mm, I, mm, I don't know. No, don't worry about it. I'm trying to take him down from the inside. Like, what? Oh, okay.
2: Chadley. That was.
3: <laughs> there were two characters over the course of two two new characters over the course of playing Final Fantasy VII remake that I lost my mind when they made their first appearances, uh, and Chadley was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> who, who is the other? Since, since we're here, the, the characters. Moogie? Is that a, is that his? Oh, name? yeah. I, don't, the, the I don't actually no You can see yeah, me. The, the the, per, the the child in the Moogle suit, I was like, because I was wondering how they're going to do Moogles in this game. Yeah. And then there was a child in the Moogle suit, and that's how they're going to do Moogles. Yes. And they were just like, and the whole like Cloud being like, this is some bullshit. And then the kid's like, it's not bullshit. And Cloud's like, it is though. Hey, and Aerith a- is like, it's not. Let him have his fun. And Cloud's like, kids' bullshit.
1: It's just hey, listen, he's the only well, one who takes those Moogle medals, so he's all right in my book. I I bought him out of everything, so uh, so uh, yeah. This, as I said up front, this is the Final Fantasy VII remake spoiler cast. As such, we will be spoiling Final Fantasy VII, the original. So, if for some reason you don't want to know what happens after the story of Final Fantasy VII remake, maybe stop here. Which,
3: it's gonna matter but also but how much will <laughs> we're matter? off the rails baby yeah. we'll, we'll
1: find yeah. out uh but first i want to start with where people are coming at this remake from in terms of experience with final fantasy and final fantasy 7 in particular uh so personally i played final fantasy 7 i never actually beat it i got to like the third disc and then just couldn't make it through like crater the crater or whatever for some reason. I was younger, I was naive, I was bad at JRPGs, even though I had a walkthrough. I think, but uh, I think Final Fantasy VIII is the superior game. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Chris, how about you? Where are you coming at this from?
0: Um, so I come at it from from a bit of a from a bit of a unique perspective. I am only twenty seven, so so there was no real. Logical way for me to have played Final Fantasy VII when it came out, but You're older I older than me. But I, I, I did um, manage to play uh, Kingdom Hearts when it when it was first released, and so that's how I know of Cloud and sort of his baseline characterization of him. Being a broody guy with a giant sword.
1: Sadly, in Kingdom Hearts—or not Kingdom Hearts—Final uh, Fantasy VII remake, Lance Bass does not voice Seth-
0: Sephiroth. <laughs> yes, yeah, I was wondering sadly, how long it would be. True loss. Um, no, but um, so I like it, King, Kingdom Hearts got me into into Final Fantasy because it was the first time that I had played a. a jrpg and it was like the first time i had played a game like not like by myself but like on my own like Mm -hmm. i'm gonna play this game and it's like not a sports game or like not a medal of honor game or something um and so then i played like final fantasy 10 and like loved that game and like that game taught me about like the the turn window is huge in that game And so, like, that taught me about, like, turn-based RPGs, and so then I played, like, Fire Emblem and stuff like that. So, Final Fantasy as a whole is, like, this huge, like, big, important touchstone for me, but I have not played Final Fantasy VII still. Just because I didn't get around to it.
1: And, uh, Jeff, how are you approaching Final Fantasy VII Remake?
2: Yeah, um, so, I'm an old man. Um, I am... 36. And I, um, I played Final Fantasy seven when it first came out in 97, 98, uh, around there. And, um, I fell in love with a lot of the themes, uh, that it had to say. It was sort of the kickoff of what I like to call the Nietzsche period of square soft where everything was obsessed with killing God or some allegory for God, or in the case of Xenogears, actual God. So, uh, and we get a sort of the, the glimmers of that with the religious allegory and naming in final fantasy seven. And so it's, it's a property that while it's not my favorite final fantasy, um, that still belongs to final fantasy VI. Um, it is certainly one of those very fond, very emotional experiences that I had when I first, uh, when I first booted it up. Um, uh, but that nevertheless has not blunted any critical edge that I have towards it. Um, and I have quite a bit actually.
1: But. Yeah. Uh, speaking of critical edges before we get to Pat, I did write a review uh, of final fantasy seven remake that you can find on fixed space. Uh, so you can go read that. Uh, it's good. Pat. Yeah. Patrick.
3: Yeah. So I have, um, I, I, the, the main reason I'm so fond of final fantasy seven, I also have plenty of criticism for the original, but, um, it was actually the first JRPG for me as well that I played like on my own. And beyond that, like growing up, I started playing role playing games when I was quite young. So, uh, I, since we're all dating ourselves, uh, I am uh, 29 and, um, I started playing Infinity Engine RPGs with my dad when I was like five years old. Um, we would sit and and Jeez. like play like Baldur's Gate and Baldur's Gate Two and Icewind Dale and all those games. So um, a couple of years after, uh, I unfortunately played the original PC port of Final Fantasy VII. Um, in um, I don't actually remember when that came out. Exactly, but dish. I want
1: to say. I think I it, it was
3: around two thousand. Yeah. Um, we did not have a PlayStation at that point, so um and that and Final Fantasy Seven was the first RPG that we were at the mall. I was at the mall with my mom, and I, I was like, "I want to play this game," and we got it. Um, and so and my dad had no interest in it because at the time he had no interest in the JRPG motif. Um. And so uh, for me, it was like the first time that I picked out an RPG that I was going to play myself Um, and I really enjoyed it. I played that game the way I played a lot of games when I was younger, where I just spent a lot of time kind of meandering. So friends would I'd sit around it with friends and. It would be like, well, let's go to the gold saucer and race Chocobos. Let's go do this. Let's go do this. We almost treated it like you would treat an MMO or something where we were just sitting around kind of just existing in that world. Um, And so I knew the major beats of the story, the big spoilers and stuff. And I did eventually get like right up all the way to the end. I didn't ever beat the last boss, but in time since then, I've seen everything and read have read and seen everything that happens multiple times. So I'm familiar with the ending to an extent. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, it was just kind of like a place to go hang out in a lot of ways. Um, and so I have that kind of relationship with it, uh, where I remember a lot of the places and themes more than specific elements of the, the, the script and the story. Um, so, yeah, I, I didn't expect to have the kind of nostalgic feelings that I ended up having um, with the remake because I kind of, before the remake, looked back on it as like, oh, yeah, that's a game that I spent a lot of time with, but never didn't have that same connection that I might have to, um, I don't know, certain other games like Morrowind and stuff like that uh, off the top of my head. But turns out I did.
1: <laughs> and so, the. The interesting thing about like that nostalgia is this game takes, so I just played through, uh, like the first maybe 10 ish hours of final fantasy seven. And this game just expands the first four hours of that game and makes it like 10 times longer. Yeah. But the fact that it still like elicits all that nostalgia, uh, from people who were like, Oh yeah, I like that game, but it's not like my favorite. And then you're like, Oh, uh, I have a lot more feelings about this than I remember. Or like thought I did.
3: I famously impressive. said on, uh, this very podcast a few weeks ago before I got into it, that like, oh, I don't have a ton of nostalgia for the characters. It's all of the world for me and blah, 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 blah. And then like the, I played through the demo part, the very beginning. And that was kind of like, I didn't get that nostalgia hit. Cause I recently played the demo. Yeah. Um, And for whatever reason, playing the demo didn't do it for me for some reason. I enjoyed it, but it didn't, like, make me feel something. But then as soon as you come around the corner and see Aerith for the first time, like, my, like, breath caught in my throat. And I was like, oh, wow. Actually, I feel a lot for these characters. Um, And then that, that kind of feeling persisted. Uh, I, to the point, like early on in the game, I actually was like nervous about what's it going to be like when I get to seventh heaven and Tifa's is there. And what's it going to be like when, you know, certain elements like the plate falling happens, how is all that going to like, how am I going to live through a lot of those emotions? (laughs) Um, so, uh, yeah. And, and it was, it was good. It never gave me the same, um, like it didn't, Bring a tear to my eye the same way that um a lot of games in in semi recent memory have, but I, I would still say it had a really powerful impact from from a storytelling perspective.
1: Uh, and it's interesting that you mention the that moment with aerith as being like the first moment where you kind of felt like, Oh, I do have a lot of memories and nostalgia and a connection to these characters, because that's also the first moment where you get a hint that something's not, this isn't exactly the same. we get to, to the Dementor the kind of entities of fate or whatever they call them? Yeah. Whispers. 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 whispers of fate. Yeah. Whispers I, I, of fate.
0: I was, I, I was actually really glad when they called them the whispers so that we could, so that everyone collectively could stop calling them the, the mentors, <laughs> yes, like, definitely for, for like a week. Like people just called them the mentors because that's what that's what they are. But. It was nice of them to actually give it a name.
3: And we all so need to read
1: another book. That's yeah. <laughs> desperately.
0: <laughs>
1: uh, Pat, you were just saying the other day that you were wanting Rocksteady to make a Harry Potter game. So. That's, I did not say want. <laughs> I said, what if they were? <laughs> At no point did I say that's what I want them to uh-huh, do. <laughs> uh-huh.
3: I would much prefer they make something not related. I would much like
2: to rather see their original IP. Yeah, but, yeah, but uh,
1: that's that's but a different
2: the, podcast. That's a pretty significant moment, though, because it kind of it opens up the mystery of the whispers in an interesting way that sets up that can be really easy to forget in the late game because we have this moment where Aerith touches Cloud, and that brings him awareness of the whispers. And she there's a lot of questions that we can get to later uh, regarding whether or not how how aware Aerith is of these whispers, where they come from, that kind of thing. And how she got that knowledge that's a, that's a question that keeps popping up for me yeah. Um and sort of the mystery box is like wait a minute is The the big question mark i have and which i'll sort of foreshadow here is like is that the eric that Belongs here or mm-hmm. is this and is this an Aerith?
1: did she? come from another timeline and to put this Aerith in a freezer. Put put this timeline's Aerith in a freezer, and now she's <laughs> taken over. It's a real it's a real fatal attraction of a time. Um.
3: <laughs> I do think that that's that that's something that um, I think if this if this game had um been a shot for shot remake, if it or even if it had been an expanded remake, but but one that still um stayed close to the to the original story to to a fault, I, I would probably not even be on this podcast right now. Um, because I would probably have played it and gone, wow, oh, it's a great combat system. Cool. Mm-hmm. On to the next one. Right. Like I, I don't know. It, yeah. I think that the moment that I went, wait, that's not a thing that happened and realized that we were suddenly like very much in the woods on, on what this game was going to be that's when it, it became um, uh, it suddenly became very real for for me to want to like yeah. figure out what's going on and see yeah, through it yeah
1: now, what what moment was that for you oh and I for, think it was probably
3: uh, that that opening when uh, w- when the whispers show up and then when you okay. encounter Sephiroth as mm-hmm. with all the fire and everything that that was really what did it
1: okay Uh I think you could early on, I think you could kind of chalk that up to, oh, they're just trying to like expand things out and, uh, you know, draw things out so they can not have to make like a a big open world game. Yeah. uh, And kind of set those seeds earlier than they and more um, flesh things out more than they do in the original game, because they really like they drop some hints and like some flashback stuff like, Oh, here's uh Tifa in the reactor, but there there's so much that is just like not touched upon uh, early on in those games and not explained. Mm-hmm. And so, but that is a full game. And so you eventually get those answers. Whereas here, there are so many things you don't get answers to or like, you know, uh, Chris, when you finished yeah. this game, did you have Outside of Kingdom Hearts knowledge, what did you know about Sephiroth?
0: I I, I knew that he was a guy with a big sword. And <laughs> honest to God, that's about it. That's <laughs> like, w- I,
1: yeah, and I just, I think it's odd that they leave so much open uh, to just kind of hang there and Keep people on their keep people questioning, like if they're a new fan, like what, what is any of what I just saw?
3: Yeah, I think the game provides some greater context and greater, um, some moments that hint at Sephiroth's role and Aerith's role and Cloud's role more than, what the text says, but at the same time, it is very hard to recognize those moments if you don't have that knowledge all up already. So I I certainly would not fault you, Chris, or anyone from coming away with the feeling of like, well, he's a guy with a big sword. He seems like kind of an asshole. and, and,
0: and, And, and for me, like, that's not even a criticism because like, that's enough for me. Like I'm, I'm good with that. Um, but I can definitely see how, like, if, if, if you were expecting, like, oh, my God, like, people talk about, like, Several, like, he's the greatest villain of all time. And, like, he, he's, like, one of the best that there is. Like, you don't necessarily get that from this game. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's very frustrating, especially because they included so much um, Nibelheim stuff or uh, stuff from Cloud and Tifa's past and and sort of dovetailed that to Sephiroth. They're like hinted at a kind of connection where immediately after this game ends, like beat one
1: after is go to calm and get the whole backstory on Sephiroth. Yeah. Or not the whole <laughs> backstory, but get the, like, you know, wh- why do Cloud and Tifa know who Sephiroth is and what's their history? Right, and why why is he
2: quite so threatening? Why, why is he this kind of almost natural force that keeps coming back you know and there's there's this large sense of foreboding and it's a really it's a great like moment in the original game and i'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing how they translate that in the sequel but i draw it out
1: for that. 10 hours
2: <laughs> Right.
3: you play as sephiroth that's the whole I, second
1: installment i th- i think on
3: that note like and i like literally hearing just to th- just kind of like calling back and thinking to that stuff in the original, I was like getting chills just now because Sufferoth in that, um, in the original for me, when I was playing it, when I was younger, I was terrified of him as a character, um, as, as a kid. Like I, I found that character to be menacing and unknowable and more like a horror movie villain than a, than an RPG villain kind of, um, because when he showed up, it was just like, something bad was going to happen and something bad always did happen. And it was, you know, and I didn't get that same hit this in this game when he showed up, but I think it's because I'm still pondering his role in this remake series because it's clear that it's, well, I shouldn't say it's clear. I feel that it's going to end up being pretty different than what it was in the original Final Fantasy 7. Um, I think that there's a lot hinted at that he has more knowledge at this point as a character about the way the world and perhaps world's plural works yeah. versus the character in the original Final Fantasy 7. So for some reason, I find him a little bit less menacing, which in some de- to some degree is um, you could argue is disappointing. But um, but but he's he's interesting in different ways in this one, I think, than in the original
1: and i think so one of the things i didn't realize was from the original game is early on in like chapter i don't know three or something when you get to sector seven slums and they're like oh yeah this weird guy is like in your, your neighbor in this apartment building uh-huh. and then like you meet that guy and he's like oh he's got like a 49 on his shoulder or whatever and then it becomes late but clear much later there's other people in these cloaks and stuff and they're actually just like minions of sephiroth which i was like oh that's like a new thing and like okay this is weird but then when i replayed og7 i was like oh these people are in this game just not yep. to the extent that they're in final fantasy 7 remake yeah. so that was that like flashback. a flashback yeah it's like the reunion <laughs> thing I, I have no idea what that was uh, Because I haven't gotten that far in the game If that's in there at all Ooh, But it, it yeah, that immediately made it me is. Think of Advent Children I was like oh that's like The three dudes in Advent Children Trying to bring back Sephiroth So it's uh, So I think it'll be interesting to see If Like when Sephiroth When real Sephiroth shows up What is how that differs if at all. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I, and I, it's, it's interesting because this is the ways in which memory of the original is, is is sometimes not the best for me. But when I played that apartment sequence, I didn't remember those characters. I remember I Mm -hmm. knew who, what they were, what he Mm -hmm. was, but I didn't remember those characters showing up at all in the original Final Fantasy 7 until the very end of the game. There,
1: they, there's one dude uh, early on in like Sector Five where Aerith lives. There's like mm, one dude. Okay. There's, there's like the number two guy who's like passed out in like a tube. But there's no okay. one in Sector Seven. Uh, got it, got, it, got it, You don't spend that, that much sick. time there. Yes,
2: yeah, yeah, that's, so. that's where the this guy Arsic comes uh, comes from. Yeah, this, uh, this the guy Sector Arsic. Seven guy. Um, yeah, that was an interesting choice, and especially with. Um, I'm going to pivot a little bit, yeah, and we we can if we want to go down this rabbit hole later, we can do that. But um, the sort of way they de- depicted the, um, I'm just going to spoil what they are. I mean, is is it okay yeah. if, I, if I? Oh, spoil absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay. Cool. Um, so they're clones. They're failed clones. Yeah. Um, right. From Hojo mm. and. They are trying, they've been infused with Genova cells and they're trying to reunite, uh, hence the whole reunion thing. And yeah. the way that they depict their agency, um, as well as the way that Cloud's agency is depicted, especially when he's, you know, quote unquote succumbing to the, to the Genova cells within him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we get this sort of cartoonish, at least I found it, found a cartoon, I wanted to ask people about this. Um, representation of trigger trauma, dissociation, uh, possible DID-like symptoms, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I, it's one of those things where, like, I remember playing it when I was 13 and going, oh, okay, like, when, when I see a sprite, you know, a, a polygonal sprite kind of kind of do these little motions, I'm like, okay, so I, it, it's sort of a pantomime, but I, I get the emotion, I'm, I'm, I'm buying in. But now that there's like this hyper-realism thing going on and we see the same kinds of pantomime, of uh, otherwise uh, mental disability stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I get, I cringed a little because <laughs> I'm like, well, is that how uh, I don't know?
1: It's, uh, it's very <laughs> anime. Uh,
3: yeah. yeah. And I think you are right. And I think that there's a number of elements of um, body language and characterization in this game that I did find frustrating and I struggled with. And that was certainly one of them. I do think, unfortunately, because of the nature of um, audiences for games of this kind, Uh um, I wonder how much people would have been able to appreciate the fact that he was having potentially dissociative or traumatic episodes without exaggerated kind of cartoonish body language. Because larger just like triple A game audiences, I think, are still kind of um not the best at identifying those things sometimes. <laughs> so in in some ways, um I I almost think I think you're both, I think you're right. And I also can understand the desire from the position of the animators and the directors on this game to want to over convey those things, but it ends up being sort of problematic because that's also not what that experience is like in reality. Um, So it's a challenging element of that game's uh, design and, 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 it exists in other areas also, I think.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so we don't really have any, uh, schedule or plan for how this episode is going to go. Uh, if that hasn't been clear up to this point, but is there anything that people are itching to talk about
0: with this game? Um, I just want to go-, go ahead and we'll get this out of the way very quickly. Um, the difficulty conversation ar- around this game has been extremely frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> because it is, okay. So normal mode is generally pretty fair and fine and is totally the way that the game was intended to be balanced. All that easy mode actually does is speed that timer up. It, so it, it, um, Makes it so that every hit, every hit that you do, whether it like it is supposed to add to the stagger gauge or not, it just keeps adding to the stagger gauge. So mm-hmm. it just makes things easier. It brings the total numbers down. Like you just you you do more damage to stuff. Like stuff has less health. It's basically a speedrun mode, and it doesn't invalidate the experience in any way because you can immediately turn it back to normal anytime you want. It is so ridiculous that people would say that like playing this on easy is somehow not a valid experience, and you, I, I don't know because at this point it's literally preaching to the choir. You yeah. guys know this.
1: Yeah. yeah. It. It I mean, also like the gameplay in this game is good. Uh, it for the most part, uh, I think the, the combat is good, uh, but. Like, whatever, the story is, I think, the thing that is really worthwhile here. And so who cares if it's, like, super easy some of the discourse around the difficulty
3: that was particularly frustrating to me was, well, the game was too hard for a bit on normal. So I turned it down to easy and now it's way too easy. And it's (laughs) kind of like, (laughs) well, what, what are you, so what are you asking for? Like, on the one hand, if you're, if you're saying, you know, difficulty should be easier to tune. I think that's true of every video game. uh, And I would love to see every video game eventually become a th- give you a toolbox of options for tuning the experience to what feels
1: best and is most comfortable for you. But at the same time, like <laughs> the, the Jedi fallen or in order, uh, but in the Final Fantasy game that like with the well, difficulty
3: stuff. Sure. And I just found it very frustrating that there was a like, well, now it's too easy thing, especially because I, I will say um, as, as uh, someone fortunate to, to not have, not experience any disabilities that interact with the way that I play video games, or I should say privileged, um, the, um, th- there, the, there, there was no point really that I felt the need to reduce the difficulty because it, w- it was too hard, which doesn't mean anything like yeah. right. it. It made it very frustrating to see that discourse of like, well, now it's too hard. So I had to turn it down because that one fight was way too frustrating because it was like, OK, well, <laughs> do, I don't know that I would even agree that there's any part of the game that's particularly frustrating or poorly designed, which was what a lot of the the framing of that conversation was around was right. specific fights being bad. And yeah, that I like, because I, of I, that, I, the pr- people were turning it down.
0: I, I, I don't think there were any fights that were bad. I think I think the way Hell House is designed can Hell House take is bad. You, 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 it, it, well I don't it,
3: necessarily it, agree that it's bad. Oh, oh it's a bad fight. It it, it
0: it it can take you a very long time if you don't have like the exact correct materia set up. And that's a little bit frustrating. And I I definitely turned it down for that fight. Uh the the ghost fight, like that final boss. But I turned it down because it was just again it wasn't even about difficulty it was just about getting through it faster I just oh, yeah. I, I got to a point where I was frustrated with it personally and I just turned it down
1: That's I think totally fair and it, it's great that they give that option in there because yes. original Final Fantasy 7 was here is the difficulty here is the game uh, so having the option to just kind of bypass yeah. that stuff Mostly is uh, very handy because I think a a large market for this game is also older people who played original Final Fantasy seven on the PlayStation and maybe haven't played a game in 10, 15, 20 years. Uh, So it'll be interesting to see how that kind of carries over uh, going forward into the newer games. Right. What kind of audience
0: comes to it? yeah and and, it,
2: and especially like and it, the 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 point you are all sort of already talked really well about is there's yeah. there's some kind of weird normativity that happens when um when you get uh the lowering of difficulty that just is inappropriate you know and i feel like i'm recapitulating all the points already but like i i want to at least draw some distinction um or at least a, a point to a historical marker mm-hmm. of where the hurt me
1: plenty video. ultra nightmare um, i'm actually thinking uh, of the stuff like old
2: school id software difficulty rankings um so like
0: yeah yeah the, 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 yeah the, hurt me they, plenty. they do that in the in the, in the newer wolfenstein's too as like a you know a classic and nod and i i, I hate it because it's just
2: and like pacifier, you, you don't
0: need to do that you like know, you have made mm-hmm. like one of the best shooters in the last decade, you do not need to oh, okay. like denigrate the people who play it yeah. on easy just because you did it in the nineties. Like it's a
1: so, Wolfenstein two is too fucking hard too unlike their normal difficulty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but but baby BJ is yeah. cute. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna like sit here and denigrate <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> baby BJ, but the, uh, it's way too no, hard. it's not. No, but, it's definitely not baby Todd Howard. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but the the point about the the terminology it's and no, like oh, no baby, oh you baby you need it on easy <laughs> like fuck off.
2: But like yeah no it's 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 this weird kind of yeah exactly yeah yeah and that's what we should be saying tonight and I'm I'm always disappointed to see you know my my peers my generation of gamers and younger to sort of give in to that kind of temptation of like, well, let me, let me stamp my merit because, you know, I can play on nightmare.
3: Yeah. And, and what people are, aren't understanding, I had a interesting kind of um thing, but- uh, salient experience Honestly, earlier this week, because I started view? playing Assassin's Creed Origins <laughs> again, um, a game that I've shamefully never finished despite my love of Assassin's Creed and love of, uh, of, of Egyptian history. But um Mm-hmm. I played the first few hours again. I've done this several times and I've kind of recently in in the past few years been interested in raising difficulty, not for any um sense of achievement or anything just because I found that that tuning a lot of games to one step up from the the quote uh normal or whatever uh difficulty tends to fit my preferences the most and I'm um and and I did Turn it up to they call it hard and have been really enjoying playing it on that difficulty. And for me, it is an example of like I tuned the difficulty to make the experience more enjoyable. There was no, oh, I'm playing it on a harder difficulty because it's too easy on normal. All you're doing is is essentially tuning sliders to make the game more enjoyable to you in the same way that, you know, you might change sensitivity settings or you might I play with with the camera inverted and everything. It's no different from set, than, from settings like that, in my opinion. And that really needs to be the way that difficulty is viewed because it, it doesn't serve. You're not <laughs> doesn't make you uh, a better person for having played the game on a higher difficulty. Um and you it's, cheated. It's, it's you silly. didn't
1: just cheat the game. You cheated yourself. <laughs> Thank you, ninja. Uh, no, that was uh no. That's uh, it's just a game as a weak mindset. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. You're right. You're right. My bad. My bad. Uh, something, something. Football kickers. Back, back to the Sekiro discourse is where yeah, we're, we're yeah. taking this. Um, yeah, it's right. It's a hard thing. I don't know if I expect uh, Square to pioneer anywhere in that front. Uh, with, but like what they have here is not like a terrible option. Like, no. so
0: yeah.
1: I haven't seen anyone complain about the easy mode other than yeah. it, it's too easy, but you know, maybe they can put in like a, a slider or something to make it better. But the fact that you can just, that you can change it mid game, I think is enough. Yeah,
0: I, th- I I think that's, that's honestly enough in terms of like what they're, what they're trying to do. I think, I, I think you can. There's there's a lot of conversation to be ha- to be had around like menuing and like yes m- m- making making some of that stuff more clear yeah. and and usable from a, like a capital A accessibility yeah. level of, of like just making everything easier to use but I think in terms of 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 difficulty as we like think about it in in terms of games, I think I think this is one of the best. I think this is honestly better than even Kingdom Hearts. I I I I, everything about this is
1: better than Kingdom Hearts.
0: (laughs) Shut up! Don't 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 you dare do that to me! Oh god!
1: Better than Kingdom Hearts three.
0: Uh, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, probably. The 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 music is really good. I this is the most listenable. Video game soundtrack I've, I've ever experienced in so my life
3: in in like, the interest of kind of we've talked about this on the cast yeah. with with uh, Jeff before in terms of like the music and um, and revisiting the those classic themes from the original but I'm curious Chris um, the one I'm curious as, as to everyone's favorite track but also um, I have to ask did the when that song at the end, when Sephiroth, when at it's the, finally clear you're going to fight Sephiroth,
0: at the end,
3: and the strings I, come in, and you and get a, Did oh, that...
0: oh yeah, have that,
3: well, a big emotional hit for for you as someone who maybe doesn't have a history with that.
0: Well, piece, well because that that's in that's in Kingdom Hearts. you you, yeah. go, mm-hmm. you, you, you go to the Colosseum fight yeah. and you fight Sephiroth, and, and that's there. So like, yeah, I I I knew that was his his music it wasn't like oh man I'm fight well it, it because it's a weird disconnect right because you know it's the end of this game but this game is not the end of the game mm-hmm. so you sure. you you know that it's like just a boss fight where you're not necessarily going to kill him because he would have to be in the next game sure like that was that that, that was my mindset in in some way but yeah it it was good music but I didn't I didn't like sit down sit back in my chair and like fall over because it was like, Oh God, it's Seth the <laughs>
3: Cause I can tell you that when that, when that music started and I've like, it kicked in at the end there, I like pounded my desk. <laughs> <Nice>. I, <laughs> I respect it aggressively slammed my fist on the <laughs> desk, but also that's a track that um, I watched you live <laughs> performances of on YouTube for, dozens of hours over the course of my like I've, growing up because i was so obsessed with that particular song. Uh,
0: I've like, done couple, I I I so. I've done the same thing with like Persona 5. There's a bunch sure. of music in Persona 5 that does a lot of that.
3: Well, then i have to ask what everyone's favorite uh, favorite tracks are from the from oh, the remake. Yeah, good Three imaginings.
0: Yeah. I think uh Pizza in the Sky is pretty <laughs> Pretty
1: good. I I'm not sure where I fall on it. Like the, the music is all good, but I I don't feel like anything really stuck with me, or at least nothing that I can name. Because I wasn't like, oh, what track is this? Um, I think the battle music is good, and the way they change it up. I think all the music is is pretty good throughout most of it, but there was no like singular track, except maybe the Honeybee in track there you go not 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 this not like the dance sequence but just like the honeybee in theme yeah uh i was like oh yeah (laughs) like i can dig it that was the one where i was like oh i'm at a jukebox i'm gonna put on honeybee
0: in Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. there you go get your get your honey boy on
2: uh yeah no um so this is this is a little difficult because i i like i loved quite a bit of the soundtrack um i think as far as uh real-time emotional impact um yeah. i if i'm judging it that way i'm gonna go with uh it's implemented very Genova well in the rack track um because that was already my favorite from the og um final fantasy like i was a really big mm-hmm. fan um as far as yeah and like at first i'm like okay so we have these diffuse sort of deconstructions of the theme and we kind of get hints at that bridge that just kicks in and then all of a sudden you hear that that telltale um yeah arpeggia- arpeggiator and then you get the big like almost metal hit like what if the black mages had a little bit more oomph and i I remember just standing up. Like, it's a just, good boss fight, like, too, almost getting up from my chair and just being yeah, like, like I, <laughs> I need to play, play like actually play this game and, and fight the boss, but at the same time i'm like, I'm like electrified by it. It's a such
1: a good boss fight.
2: Sure. um yeah, I really enjoyed that one. um And of course, like there's there's a ton of tracks too. like I mean, I could sit here and talk for four hours about it, but like, uh as far as best new track. Like the one that was just introduced for this one, um, I mm. would probably point at uh, you know, Roche's theme.
0: Uh, <laughs> oh, t- is, totally, it, it, totally it
2: catches me because somebody
1: tell Sam. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> somewhere. It, it's it's the <laughs> middle of the night in the UK, but but Sam just woke up in a cold sweat. <laughs> It's not because his baby is crying. It's not because of baby Todd Howard.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, Yeah, like it's very reminiscent of that, but then it like does interesting things with with, um, Let the Battles Begin and it kind of weaves in. Oh, oh crap. Oh man, I'm so indecisive. So there's that one, but then there's also... um, this sort of techno version of, uh, and I think the name of the track is "Smash em, Rip Em, Tear em Up." Um, where if Cloud mm-hmm. is chosen by Corneo, yes. and it's that track is great. Tifa fighting out of the really skeevy situation in Corneo's mansion. Um, there's this version of Tifa's theme.
0: Oh, hell yeah. Oh, my yeah. God.
1: Absolutely. I, oh, yeah. Oh, like oh absolutely. Oh, I, I need on. it uh, I need it right. I need uh, Yeah. <laughs> Tifa was
3: consistently and my favorite character to play as. Um, <laughs> oh, from a From a mechanical perspective. Yeah. Yeah, she is. She's a one. She's a just
0: awesome. Yeah, <laughs> Every, So good.
1: As the like all the others oh, are. I, I think we can maybe get. Oh, well, Pat, you didn't talk about your song. Uh, I'd like to get like the combat stuff after.
3: Yeah, I'll just say quickly. Um, the one that, uh, I kind of agree with all of the above, but the one that, um, that actually like surprisingly hit me really hard was, uh, when you do the sort fight, oh, yeah. the song that is playing and the way it just like when the fight transitions from one of the groups to the other group. That was such a cool moment uh, from mechanically. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, the music kind of shifts a little bit. And and I, I just liked everything about the composition of that track quite a lot. And then the other one that is more of a funny, it's not really an answer for what I think is best, but the like hip hop sort of trap Chocobo theme mm-hmm. <laughs> that has. Yeah, that has the like the The horns in it, yeah, that that is, is a really good track. Hilarious! I always, always really like the, the chocobo music, chocobo.
1: and this one has really good chocobo music.
3: Yeah, I was I, I and because of the fact that there's a couple different um, takes on that track, I wasn't sure for the first like when I got to that part when you get to chapter 14 and you're kind of hearing that that song more as you use the the chocobos to ride around. I was like, is there, Did did that have like? hip hop horns and a trap beat and then the loading screen would be over and then it would do it again and i was like no no, no i must have been imagining that because that was not that track and then eventually <laughs> it's like no 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 that's real that's in there
1: <laughs> well it's also one of like the first tracks you can find if i remember correctly yeah
3: i just i'll admit i didn't spend a ton of time actually paying attention to the jukebox <laughs> yeah. tracks because I, I it was something that i had intent i intend to kind of i'm going to be listening to that yeah, soundtrack a lot yeah outside of the game so i kind of didn't focus mm. too much on on those tracks in the yeah, game
1: definitely uh, so
3: anyway yeah but definitely we should move on to the uh to mechanical stuff for sure yeah um, and then, then we'll just
1: dive back into story stuff
3: but yeah i'd like to talk about the mechanical stuff but i also want to talk about like
1: critical stuff
3: people yeah. didn't like too so uh, yeah
1: <laughs> uh so Oh, that's that's like a third of a control essay, I'm told. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe <here>. less <laughs> depends uh, on who's writing it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the the combat in this game was surprisingly <laughs> solid. I thought uh, that demo that uh, we mentioned a little bit earlier. It, it basically you could only play with Cloud and Barrett and. I think cloud and Barrett are pretty one note for the most part. Like cloud's got his sword abilities and everything he does
0: is well. And especially in that demo, when you have no context for weapon abilities and like what they do. But, Um, uh,
1: but I think it's not the best showing for that. I, you know, I think it is a good showing for that game, but I think those are also the two, at least for me, the two least interesting characters uh cloud is more interesting than barrett cuz barrett kind of just stands there for the most part but tifa once you get tifa and can start stringing in like her other it's like her abilities with her combos mid fight was just so satisfying and it made me feel like i was actually doing something instead of just yeah. like mashing one button what it, i oh sorry go ahead chris
0: n- n- no you go you first please
1: uh, i
3: i was going to Like For me, I think I largely agree with the assessment of Barrett and Cloud for a long time. But then there was a moment where it clicked for me that all of the characters have certain moves and strategies that actually allow for a kind of... like. By the time I was about two-thirds of the way through the game, I was flowing through the different characters Mm -hmm. rather than picking one to play with in a way that I actually found really satisfying. And so even though initially I think cloud and Barrett seem less interesting. I think I did hit a point where all of them became really fun to play because I had this sort of flowing strategy that involved switching up between each of them Mm -hmm. different times. And for Barrett, a lot of it was timing based, um, less than, you know, you could definitely play through a lot of that game just playing as him and sitting there and holding the square button down. But it became fun to work on the like, okay, well I'm going to, Fire his normal attack, and then I'm going to do his his uh, triangle, his, his blast attack, and by then, hoping that I've built up two ATB gauges, I'm going to switch over to unleash one of his larger, kind of longer attacks, like Maximum Fury, and then while that animation is playing, I'm switching over to somebody else to do something different with them, yeah. and that became really, really, really fun for me and and appealing so I actually ended up liking all the
1: characters for that reason as a as a whole I think it's very good I just I was like okay yeah all his moves are a sword thing yep okay (laughs) again like so functionally they all like every move, like Barrett has like a few like defensive things like Steel Skin or Lifesaver where you can take damage I never from really other used people. That stuff. But and then but all his other moves are just like, I'm gonna fire a big shot from my gun. So like in terms of abilities, I feel like those two were pretty one like pretty limited in what their like variety was. Where Whereas Tifa and Aerith had a lot more like variety and what you could do intermixed into their combos and stuff, uh, which made them, I think more interesting for me to play. And I cut you off, Chris, what were you going to say? Oh, no,
0: I I was just going to say, I think that it's, that it's great um, that you can hold the button as as well as tap it with cloud. You get different (laughs) combos and you get different moves depending on, on what you're doing. And, again back to that like it, it, it it's an accessibility feature that like people don't notice mm-hmm. but but it just makes the game better because you don't have to tap the button every single time yeah but also you can get totally different moves if you do so it's like it's just uh really interesting um but also i ended up just just be, just because of the way that the game works and um this is a criticism that, um, a, a, a lot of the, like, when you're just running around the world and you just happen to run into monsters, like, a lot of those fights are so short that you have no ability to engage with any of the ab- a- abilities. So, what happened was, I didn't actually get any of Barrett's like, main ab- abilities because I wasn't using them because I wasn't using him enough. I wasn't switching mm-hmm. to him enough because... Cloud is the better damage dealer when you get the Buster Sword leveled up, and it was all kind of weird. So I didn't get to use Barrett as much as I wanted to late game because I hadn't used him early game, mm-hmm. and and he didn't have all the stuff.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair. I I think it's interesting because the way they spread out this game, but still remain faithful. You're thinking, oh, he's just going to be a tank, you know, yeah,
2: just draw a whole bunch of aggro, and you're just going to put him there and he can certainly serve that role but then he also has the capabilities of being this really great long distance dps kind of thing and it's it's weird to sort of straddle that line um and it, it when especially when you're in late game you know and especially in that last whisper fight when yeah. all of a sudden you're just like thrown into this really technical boss fight and then you you got to control Barrett, and it's like well what do i do with this
1: with this okay <laughs> cool um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it, the game does that a lot because because of the way it's structured it's constantly breaking up and the original final fantasy 7 does this too in the right. first four hours where you're just constantly changing your team makeup and it's it's a lot better here because you can actually change your materia between everybody at all times and you can kind of mix and match people into different roles based on the weapons you choose and stuff but it 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 limits your options in a way because you can't be like, oh, I want Tifa and I want Aerith for all this or I want Barret and Aerith or whatever makeup you want for your team, Uh, which is weird for a Final Fantasy game. Uh, And I feel like people complained about that with Final Fantasy 13, but uh, here it's okay, I guess.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I I will say in some ways, I feel like Final Fantasy 7 Remake is... You all complain about this with Final Fantasy Thirteen, but here it's
2: okay, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, which I think is interesting, but <laughs> that is interesting. Um, I'm actually one of the things mechanically too that um, I'm uh, recently read on Can I Play That dot com by mm-hmm. Elizabeth Garcia, um, who brings up uh, the camera mechanics um, and sort of another accessibility issue capital A accessibility issue, where the I, I kind of ran into this a little bit too there the battle camera it makes sense for there to be a lot of motion a lot of reorientation okay and you kind of prepared for that but there are portions of just field walking you know overworld walking if you will um where the camera is constantly moving and it can be extremely disorienting and if you have any kind of uh sort of Sensory processing thing, or migraines, or light sensitivity, light sensitivity stuff. It can get really, really overwhelming, really quick. And the way that translated for me was that Walmart was I could never, ever find my way through Walmart. Uh Yeah, oh yeah. I'm just like sitting here going, okay, so wait, the camera was there, and I I'm here, and and like I felt like
1: I was playing Resident Evil One again, and (laughs) it's. It's also at least in my opinion I found it hard to navigate as well just because you don't spend like an extraordinary amount of time there. Yeah. Right. But it's very like the alleyways and the way everything kind of twists and turns through there, it's already difficult I think to navigate. So if you have sensory, you know, processing issues then I can imagine that only just gets that much worse. Yeah. One
0: of nothing. the things that was slightly frustrating is the way that um I think it's the L2, I, oh, I gotta hold it really. hold on, All right. <laughs> no problem, you're good it's the uh, yeah. It's the, the, the L2 button, you tap it and that's what changes your mini-map around so you can make it oh, yeah. so that you get a mini-map a, a, a compass like you would see in like Assassin's Creed or nothing and I was constantly hitting that by accident because R2 is sprint and so I was I was wow. hitting that by accident and Constantly turning the map off and being like, Wait, where am I going? and then having to like look at the map again. And you know,
3: I had no idea that the L2 button did that,
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I I pushed the L2 button at
3: all because, uh, I don't know, like there was something about like I would forget to sprint sometimes. Like, I didn't, I certainly wasn't like, (laughs) I know exactly how to sprint all the time. Uh, (laughs) I would just forget that I had that option, but I also, I don't think ever even even tried pressing the L2 button.
0: Yeah. It's, which it, is it, interesting. It, it, it's a weird thing. And like, it's cool for like certain things to get rid of the UI, but then also you're in Walmart, and you're like trying to f- figure out the 17 different ways to get through this alley, because actually there's only one path, but you have to make 20 different turns to get around it. And it's yeah. like, I,
3: I think yeah. sometimes that like desire to make the plate, the spaces almost seem bigger than they are, um, could be frustrating from a readability perspective and like a, a discovery perspective. And I think it was like a stab at trying to make the exploration more rewarding. Um but I'm not convinced that it needed that either. Yeah. Um
1: make it feel like a real place uh as opposed to just here's a here's a corridor that you run down. Th-
3: yeah, that I don't have a problem with. I think it's more the fact that it sort of s- hides certain things mm-hmm. in those alleyways yeah. and corridors that... Um,
0: I right, like, well, like there are certain weapons that you would not get if you just didn't look in yeah. a specific chest, and that's, like, huge, like, yeah. game-changing stuff. And they, they signpost it about as well as they can, but if you're just not looking at the right spot one time, you just don't get it, and that yeah.
3: sucks. Yeah, that can be frustrating. I definitely missed a weapon. Uh, I only ended up missing one, but there was one that I didn't get um, from somewhere earlier in the the game. Um, And it was a little frustrating at the end when I realized that. (laughs) Amateur hour. Anybody have any
0: any favorite weapons or like weapons that like really, really stick out to you?
1: Uh, I liked Tifa's. uh, the f- The feathery ones. I thought yep, those were cool. Those, are, those are the gloves yeah. I, I always used for her. Yep.
3: Yeah. Um. I think the twin stinger or whatever it's called The Cloud gets near the end of the game is very cool.
0: Uh, oh yeah the, the the little magical beam sword.
3: Mm-hmm. It's the one that's got the like two. It's made yeah. from two swords.
0: Oh uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah.
3: then um uh for but I actually ended up using Oathbreaker for most of the game. That's probably the one that that Cloud gets. That was like the I thought that was pretty pretty cool. oath breaker, break. wait, wait, wait. I thought that's what it was
1: called. Maybe I'm uh, misremembering. Are you thinking of Kingdom Hearts, <laughs>
3: no. uh, oath? Sort
1: of
3: <laughs> oath keeper is what I meant. Yes. Speaking
0: of speaking of Kingdom Hearts and and weapons, um, is is there ever a, a reason explained why Cloud's Buster Sword has tape on it in Kingdom Hearts, or is that just a style thing? It's just a style or? thing.
1: Okay. Think. You want to talk about cloud swords? Let's talk about Advent Children. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he's got, he has like 30 swords and they all fit inside of each other. <laughs> then he can like pop them out. Man, it's so cool. It's
2: like a... I, so I'll have something to say actually about Advent Children later. Because uh, I okay. I I did I fell on the grenade and I discovered things about um, Kadaj, Laz, and Yazoo. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't like that I know these things now, but I'm uh, um, looking yeah. forward.
1: <laughs> so, well, so let's let's jump into the narrative stuff then. Uh, and could we talk to a little bit about how right away things kind of change, like things are hinted at with the change with the whispers of fate showing up when you meet Aerith and uh, meeting the clone number forty nine early on which doesn't happen but
3: also I was thinking of hard edge I don't know where where I got Oathbreaker from hard <laughs> edge is the weapon I was trying oh. <laughs> to yeah. recall I was like worried <laughs> I missed like a secret weapon no, no. no. <laughs> I just am way apparently thinking about Kingdom Hearts too much yeah, sorry right. so
0: you can never think about story the, stuff
1: the, the part where Sora shows up and <laughs> 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 now that, that. That's will be interesting so, when it happens I, at some point I, I, yeah I I honestly at this point I believe there could be a, a, a canonical reference or canonical crossover with Kingdom Hearts with Final we gotta Fantasy figure out VII how Cloud to the Coliseum yeah I am literally dying <laughs> it's, it's, it's gonna happen I'm sorry yeah Okay. It's just, that's that's gonna be the end of this whole like saga is no. Cloud and Sephiroth get shut into Kingdom Hearts by Mickey Mouse. I I I,
0: I, I mean they, they they literally do the like dive to the heart camera as Cloud is like dreaming after he fell through the church. Like they do that scene where he's like talking to himself and he's like, Am I dreaming? It's yes. like
3: Yep. Like, is any it, of this for real? Yeah. And <laughs> then, then you get the,
0: oh.
1: Yes, when
3: that when that was happening, uh, my partner was watching, who also watched me play through all of Kingdom Hearts, and as Cloud was floating like that, I did the,
2: oh.
0: And we both lost it. Oh, the, and the, the, there's even an, an, a, another shot, too, when like Cloud is looking up at one of the clones, they literally do the, like, fr- the, the, uh, the Kingdom Hearts two dive off the top of the tower thing mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. In, in, yeah. in the middle of a uh, of, of that fight when you fight uh, Xemnas or Xehanort or whichever one it was.
1: Uh, so I many can't. fights. <laughs> yes. yeah. it, it's uh, it's a very Nomura uh, like yeah. in terms yeah. of direction. Uh, the is. I was seeing something I I can't remember the name of the writer uh he, but he did a lot of writing on Kingdom Hearts 2 the the best one and he was kind of like he was head writer or something for the Final Fantasy 7 remake so my uh my hopes are high at this point but
0: yeah, it's it, it's good stuff
1: so what what point uh what kind of new stuff did people appreciate I was a big fan of the, I think chapter four, chapter five, the Jesse uh, sequence. It's a good sequence, yeah, it's a good sequence. Like it it was like, okay, I like all these characters. I'm getting to actually know them. Spend some time. I I like their personalities, and it the way they put some real like motivations behind people. Like you get a lot of like, oh, they're destroying the planet and eco terror. You know, it's uh, bad for the environment. But then to go to Jesse's family and see, like, oh, her dad worked in a reactor and it basically killed him, but he's, you know, he's brain dead. Um, it yeah. was really fascinating to see that. Um, yeah, that motivation. Scene,
0: that that scene is really powerful. You 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 walk in and you see the the wheelchair in the in in the corner, like next to the bookshelf, at, as like some sort of like hope that like he's going to be okay one day. And like just, ha- just having that visual even for a, for a second. And then you look on the, fl- on the floor and see the note, uh, for, from, from Jesse is a really powerful sequence. I think.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it's I completely agree with. Um, it, it hit a really complicated beat that you don't really find often in, in, uh, JRPGs where you have, um, the sort of, return to family warmth, uh, almost like a Miyazaki scene. But then yeah. you also have this melancholy that is, it's not just like, you know, soft focus, Rose border kind of thing where instead it's just stark. It's just what it is. And you're confronted with the reality of the body and the hope that the family has for the body. And I, I was really struck by it. Um, not only because it, it frames Jesse's sort of motivation, but also frames Jesse's lines, like how she engages with her colleagues, with you, with her conflict. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated the, the way they deepened that without cheapening her agency. Cause I was a little worried. I'm like, you know, Ooh, where are we going? But then once, once it was sort of like, clear that she was you know very i mean she does have theater person energy let's just get that out of the way like, i've worked in the theater <laughs> no, totally. a lot yeah. she absolutely <laughs> she, has yes. theater person energy
1: yeah, um, and she be thirsty Yeah, well, i mean
2: i think we said the same thing
1: um
3: yeah yeah what i appreciated so much about that to, to your point jeff is um the biggest frustration in the uh, I have two major one uh which we can talk about in a little bit is um I have a huge frustration with Barrett and a lot of stuff surrounding that character um and then my other biggest frustration with story and characterization in this game is I found a lot of the interactions between Tifa and Cloud and aerith and Cloud to be kind of frustrating mm-hmm. um and I think Jesse actually speaks to. An angle that I really appreciated is I think that her interactions with Cloud may come off as thirsty, but at the same time, like something I I love the sequence when she's inviting him over the next day di- for, for dinner the next night, yeah, because it's so flirtatious. But then at the end of it, I was as I was like walking back to Cloud's apartment, I was like, it really is just dinner, though. Like, yeah, (laughs) yeah, that was super flirty and and thirsty seeming, but she really does just want to have him over and make dinner and have and watch a movie with someone. Um, And I found that extremely endearing and it felt real in a way that the interactions between clouds kind of other potential, at least in the original romantic interests, to me, felt more like forced and. And not very genuine. Um, and I think that Tifa and Aerith's relationship with each other is great. I like that yeah. a lot. Yeah. But I found that, like, the longing looks between Tifa and Cloud at times and stuff was just like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah, it, it, was, it, it, it was, it just didn't hit for me. And then the same thing, kind of, um, Aerith is such a great character in this game, but sort of the ways in which she and Cloud interact around their um, shared experience is good, but when it came to the more like tee hee he stuff, that was a little frustrating for me. And so I really liked that Jesse felt much more real and grounded in the way that those interactions took place.
0: Yeah, it it's interesting because there's been there's been this sort of like decades long discourse, I guess, over like who who's the real waifu. And I think it's Jesse, honestly. Like <laughs> yeah. straight up. Like she's better than both of them.
3: Yeah. And I guess for me, it's um, not even a question of one of them being canonical or better. It's just um, the I feel like there is a certain juvenility to um, to the romantic interactions between characters in the original that um, I'm more forgiving of, I think. And, And to see some of that play out again here was a little frustrating. That was definitely something that I kind of rolled my eyes at more than once.
0: Yeah. Speaking of, of maybe juvenile and and frustrating the way that, that they sort of keep Barrett in the nineties is very, Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. um,
3: Yes. That is, that is far and away. My other primary. issue. I,
1: uh, I look forward to the next installment. I assume the next installment where you actually get like Barrett's backstory, yeah, because maybe that'll be his time to shine and like actually come out of whatever weird anachronistic personality they've given him because well, he's very much that same. Like he he's a very performative and, uh, you know, there's all the jokes like, oh, he's you know, oh, they turn the cameras off. They turn they turned the audio off. And to, you know, get a cheap laugh at Barrett while well, he's delivering these very impassioned speeches that I hope he they has some, get he has some they, of the best lines in the game. Yeah, yeah, he does. But they also a lot of those end up being undercut by these like, ha ha, like yeah. he was he was uh, being dumb at the same time. So, like, he's passionate yeah. and that's great. But they undercut like pretty much every moment of like. Greatness from him in some way,
0: yeah. It, it 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 would be so interesting to know what those voice direction com- conversations are like, because I saw something on on Twitter, and it's from Twitter, so it doesn't validate anything. But apparently, like the 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 voice actor who played Barrett was like a big fan of the original, mm-hmm. and so it 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 made it seem as though he was trying to like play up the the nostalgic bit of that even though it doesn't necessarily fit and maybe they just went with it but i don't like again i can't actually speak to that i just think yeah, that that's sort of yeah. interesting and i
3: think there's there's absolutely criticism that can be leveled at the representation of the character um in a sense that didn't strike me for obvious reasons as, um, as, as a thing that was like really sticking with me as much as a lot of what you're talking about too, Andre, it's just like the the narrative stuff that I think there's that Barrett is not Barrett just misses out at times. I know Jeff, you and I had a conversation about that ending sort of, Uh and, and what happens in, in in the office and at, at the top of Shinra tower with Barrett. And and that was definitely a point of frustration for me as well.
2: Yeah, no, there's so like, I have, I have a, like at least 150 of these 670 words that I've written here are, <laughs> are about Barrett. Uh, like, and like the really hot takey opener of it is like, look, a black disabled dude has enough barriers and credibility already. Why do we have yeah. to like introduce more? And right. Like that's that's like one of my biggest frustrations with it, because the thing is, is that they much like how they it, it's very similar to how they treat. Well, not similar in the sense of like identical, but similar in the sense of like there's an analogous structure that's in operation here within the narrative. Um, It, it reminds me of what they did to wedge the characters in the story. So like Biggs and Jesse and Barrett. They all treat Wedge with kindness. The developers, mm-hmm. the writers, they treat him like a fat joke. And that like yeah, yeah. irritated the hell out of me because I, sure. I, I I like Wedge quite a bit. And I think the, the whispers did, did him dirty by just chucking him out of building. Um, so when it came to Barrett, I saw the same kind of dynamic where – it wasn't quite as you know friendly the the developers are hostile and the people are friendly i mean cloud was plenty hostile to barrett and you see them slowly warm warm to each other as the game goes on but at the same time i think there's a lot of really undercut i think austin walker spoke to the best barrett moments um like the really like revolutionary moment a, a moment that doesn't get mm-hmm. talked about in 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 even activist politics um which is that moment when they first step out to the the street um, after the bombing mission and they're about to disperse and Barrett goes you know everyone's like doubting. They're like oh my god we've done all this and we've we've caused this destruction. This is us. And Barrett offers emotional labor going we knew this was going to get hard and we knew we're going to have to do things that we didn't want to do and I am here for you. I am going to be the shoulder that you need for this if you need it. And that that beat is not that's not a narrative beat that you find a lot in this kind of story and i really wish they had leaned harder into that as well as yeah. like, the, the complicity angle in erith's bedroom in shinra tower as well as like it, it, he was just so frustrating because like you you would have these stereotypical mr t sort of you know oh look it's the tough black guy who's the demolitions expert of course but then He would be, like, whenever he would interact with Marlene, I was like, okay, there's Barrett. Hello. Yeah. It's so nice to meet you. I'm so happy to see you. I really enjoy seeing you. Um, Where did you go? Wait, no, I don't want Mr. (laughs) T back. (laughs)
3: And I, I, I think part of what makes that so frustrating for me is that there are moments, too, when he... Sort of slides more in the direction of the Mister T. I, the, I loved the confrontation scene when they're leaving Shinra Tower, and you have that moment. I can't even remember who it is. It's oh, it's 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 Heidegger when they when they confront Heidegger, and Heidegger. Cloud Cloud has his awesome motorcycle foo with all the soldiers. Right before that, there's a moment where where Heidegger's like, "Where's your friend?" and Barrett's like, "Have you tried looking up your ass?" <laughs> and right right. in that, that moment, was I was like, now that is funny. That's good. That's funny. Yeah. And he's like being a leader and like, and, and like sticking it to this, to this total asshole. And that's great. And I wish that more of that energy had persisted in the moments where they sort of leaned into him and his sort of projected self.
2: And instead his projected self didn't feel as genuine. Like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And just as a, as a quick note, um, I am endlessly amused that Heidegger is a villain in this because uh, he's named after Martin Heidegger, a continental philosopher who was a literal Nazi. Yeah. And and so, like, it is to no end that I'm like, at at some point I know I'm going to have to kick the shit out of Heidegger. And as a person, like, pursuing a doctorate in philosophy, I am so excited for this moment. Yes.
3: (laughs) I I was very pleased with the way that, that Cloud thoroughly and completely, like, just wrecked him from a from a confidence perspective (laughs) right in those in that scene i was like you know what i could argue that this should be something i'm controlling right now but this is so cool i don't care
1: yeah yeah exactly exactly uh one last thought uh on the barrett thing that i have is that i mentioned i mentioned that i when we get barrett's backstory i'm hoping that that Kind of forces him to like acknowledge that he's vulnerable to the group. Like we get some of those moments with Marlene, but he still tries to put on a front and like, oh, I'm the big tough guy. But once we get this, his story with Dine and how he came to join Avalanche and all that stuff, I'm hoping like exposing that to the group allows him to open up more maybe. And then that will bring things around and he can be less cartoonish in his depiction but we'll see because we still haven't gotten like like in original final fantasy 7 barrett's mostly just kind of like there like at the beginning he's important but then he kind of takes a side seat until you get to uh the gold saucer but yeah right we'll see um Let's see, other narrative things that we talked about. Jesse and that whole situation, Barrett, role.
3: I have to know, um, Chris, do you have any sense of why there was a small kind of cartoonish cat-like figure falling no. to their knees uh, oh, as the plate fell?
0: Oh. <laughs> no, and honest to God, I, w- w- when I originally uh, played it, I, I missed it because it's literally just like, Five it's seconds.
1: Like not you even look away yeah.
0: From the, yeah, yeah. You just look away from the screen, and I'm like, "Why is everybody talking about a cat? I didn't see a." <laughs> well,
3: it's it's especially funny because I because there is a jukebox song that you can get right, um, which and, is Kate Sith's theme.
0: <laughs> yeah, and like I I I I knew that Kate Sith was a thing, but I didn't I didn't really connect it until afterward.
3: I was kind of hoping for a slightly more um, substantial uh, appearance from the character, given finding that jukebox disc. But then after that was all that it was, I also still was kind of like, that's funny. <laughs> that's like yeah. the only instance where the character appears.
1: Yeah. Uh, and it's still there's so much time before they join you. I know yeah, there <laughs> really <laughs> is. There's like there's like 15 hours. <laughs> they probably it's- won't be in the next one. They might not. If you don't get to gold saucer in the next game, like I don't know what the fuck they're doing. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're right. <laughs> like you have to get at least through like game story. Even... But I don't know what the next game's gonna be.
0: This next game's not coming out for ten years, so who knows? Oh yeah, I mean game. they
1: just announced <laughs> Unreal Five, so now they've got to transfer all the work they've done from Unreal Four to Unreal Five. <sighs> <sighs> um no. Nomura's gonna be like ninety when this is finished. <laughs> But, uh, I don't know. I was pretty,
3: does red 13 show up that early in the original yeah. game? Okay. Yeah, I couldn't, yeah. I forgot that that was, um, that, that, that he's there that early. So that was kind yeah. of a surprise for me when he showed up because I didn't that, remember him being present for
0: that, that part. That was the whole thing about, about why they, why they give you a tool tip when he shows up because he's, he's a, a party member, but you can't play as him. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: And I'm really I, glad they excised the grossest scene from the original game involving Red Thirteen. That's um, when so. they
1: put him in the chamber with Aerith.
2: Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, now I'm
3: starting to remember
1: that a little bit.
3: And I think maybe I blocked all that from my mind for a reason.
0: So, for because I because I literally don't know what that is. Do you want to give yeah. context um, to it? Or?
2: Sure, sure. So, basically, um, so the way it works is you still have uh, Aerith um and Red 13 um sort of as prisoners of Hojo and being experimented upon. And Hojo in order to communicate to the player that he's a mad scientist type and he's doing all sorts of nefarious experiments. If it goes, wasn't
1: clear already.
2: Right. It wasn't clear already. We gotta we gotta put the exclamation point on it. Um so they he what he does is he wants to see if the Setra have the ability to mate with other indigenous species of the planet. And so Mm. he just puts red 13 in the same tube and says, okay, you guys are going to mate. And it's really super gross. Is that what
1: was happening? I I literally played that like last week. And I thought that was like, I'm going to cause it happens in front of like your party. And I thought that was like, Oh, I'm going to put her in the thing. Cause like, as like a danger thing because he's a, it's a mad creature and it's going to eat her. But that's even right. worse than I thought. Like it's, it's awful.
2: It's, it's yeah. And like you get this long apology from red 13. He's like, I'm really sorry. I was just putting on theater for Hojo. I wanted to escape. I would never do that. I'm really sorry. Yeah. But at the same time. I'm like, why is this scene here? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, no, it's why? bad. Yeah. I'm remembering that now. I forgot that that was all in the same
3: in that same yep. area. And,
0: uh, so, yeah. and, 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 this is why you don't need a shot for shot remake. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like well, you
3: can, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. Which is a thing that's going to come up, uh, later on too. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
0: Um,
3: but, uh, but, but, um, I think that the, like the, the sort of speaking from the shot for shot angle, I think you, you start to get to, you start to get a, sense for what the whispers are at a certain point but beyond that um i don't necessarily think that it really goes off the rails until you're kind of at the end game that's yeah. really the point yeah. where
0: yeah
3: um things <laughs> go wild uh and uh, from then on out it was just like uh, tape my eyes open, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, like, not, like not, not, not too literally. Call, just, keep, just keep doing the Kingdom Hearts thing. But it literally reminded me of, of the the uh, final rest when you when you walk through the door to to, to go to the last bosses in Kingdom Hearts One. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, and I think the way it relates is, is it takes some of the best elements of the um, sort of. Uh, self-indulgent um, like wild shit happening that, that kingdom hearts does. And it kind of hones it in a sense uh, in a way that I think was, was for me, like even more effective than it's usually done there um, while still really riding the edge of that. Cause like yeah. when it cuts to seeing Zach, I was like, Weirdly, I kind of expected him to show up because of how wild everything was becoming. But I it still kind of exceeded my expectations for how weird
1: <laughs> his introduction <laughs> was going to be. Yeah, absolutely. They they hint at Zach. They do it early in the game when you're yeah. with Aerith like, the oh, do you know? <laughs> uh, <Yeah>. Because it's. <laughs> Again, back to cloud and his dissociative migraines, or whatever is going on with him. Right. Um, and then to get that moment where you you conquer conquer fate, or the whispers of fate or whatever uh, the ultimate the the big the big boy is, and then cut to Zach carrying cloud out of out of some shit. Yep. Uh, was like with oh, a this alternate something...
3: universe stamp.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. flyer was, was floating like a... past
3: the camera, crisis, are,
1: We're gonna get a Crisis Core on Switch. Is what's gonna happen? <laughs> oh man! In between uh, I mean, the I'd next, in between the next uh, release. But you also get things like the meteor
3: first making its appearance. Yeah, in a way that is like. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is this?
3: <laughs> like, right. If I recall In the original Final Fantasy 7 The way the meteor is introduced is a very Like measured um, Here's a thing We're going to tell you about Whereas yeah. in this yeah, game yeah. it was
2: just like Here's the thing we're not going to tell you about
3: Also yeah, no,
2: it's, now it's gone
0: <laughs> you, take, you get
2: like uh, this long 10 hour build up with yeah. Like the temple of the ancients
1: and the black materia And it's a yeah. whole long thing But here that scene, like the the aftermath of it cracked me up because like you go into the like Shinra, like hollow deck or whatever, and you and you see this crazy uh, scenario play out with you've got the clones and like the cloak dudes uh, standing around and meteor coming down on top of a city. And then they're like, "Well, that was weird." And then they walk out <laughs> right. and they're like, "The thing's on the Fritz, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like
2: I don't know hollow uh, tape that is. <laughs> yeah, but to get back like, to the oh sorry,
1: go ahead. oh no, I just i don't I don't know how like, yeah, I don't know. It's acting weird. <laughs> it's just showing the I, destruction of the earth or the planet.
0: i i I, I just want to go go back to, to to one to one thing for a second because it's my favorite thing in the game. When you have to climb the climb oh, the yeah. stairs, it's oh yeah. I I I love it so much. Um, for anyone that doesn't that doesn't know, I'm 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 a wheelchair user. So when when Barrett is like when 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 you start to get like over halfway through that thing, and Barrett is like walking slowly, and he's just like, I hate stairs. <laughs> that's that's me every day.
3: It also <laughs> that sequence is so good because, like. They they don't make you realize what's happening for the first like half of it. And it's like, oh, this is funny. Barrett's slowing down, Tifa's not slowing down, cause, you know, mm-hmm. she's more <laughs> in shape than him or whatever. And and then cloud starts to slow down. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I was like,
2: oh, this is very good. This is yeah, very, the very you good. To the top, you know, you're you're just basically like, well, I hate life and <laughs> I hate everything. Yeah.
1: You could have <laughs> yeah. just taken That's the elevator, start. but uh, I had to take the stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And um, they don't even make it like a... I, I didn't try to take the elevator. I, I was like, it. oh, well, I have to take the stairs. Like, I'm not going to take the elevator in this place to right. no know right, I'm coming. Right. Yeah. But thought. you can just take the elevator. And yeah. It's, I, um,
2: it's pretty good. Um, they, they have a couple of interesting encounters and you freak okay. out a lot of employees. Um, okay. And basically barrett is like you know scowling at people and cloud is like uh i'm very awkward in this situation and i do not know where to put my hands
0: um, <laughs> oh
1: no. no i need to watch this clip
2: yeah
3: i'm gonna that'll be the first thing i do after we're done here
1: that is cool. <laughs> um, they and they have that's the same situation in the original is they give you like, okay, you can take the elevator, but security is going to know, or you can take the stairs and you can run up all 67 floors or whatever it is. I'd also like to note that Shinra tower, 69 floors. It's nice. very nice. It's a nice number yeah. of floors.
3: Yeah. yeah. Um, I did want to touch on, this is another thing that, 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 Uh, Jeff and I briefly talked about, but um, did everyone look at the going back to the whisper fight, the big whisper fight, (laughs) did anybody look at the descriptions of the, um, the three warriors whisper warriors
1: that you have to fight with assess? I think I looked at one of them or maybe I, I, like jumped through all three and was like, I read the description of one and then I saw they were all about the same length, but then I was like, okay, there's no weaknesses. What the fuck?
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah I, 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 um, did, did, did the same thing and didn't, and didn't realize until after the fact when other people started talking about it. That
3: yeah, yeah. So they, they say that they're like, um, manifestations of warriors sort of from the future, trying to like make sure that things happen correctly. And I think the implications there, I really hope this isn't a thing that is like, and it doesn't come up again. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll be devastated because I think the implications for who those characters could be, who mm-hmm. those warriors could be are so fascinating. There's so many
2: directions. Yeah.
3: Uh,
1: there are,
2: there's a lot of directions and this is where I'll, I'll, but in with children's stuff. Oh no,
1: this is, oh no.
2: I know. (laughs) I'm curious (laughs) though, because, yeah. Yeah, so like there's one of two reads. Um, There's um, what the Final Fantasy VII Ultimania Guide says, um, and this is very much in the class of decision of, you know, I respect that the council has made a decision, but I also believe it's a dumb one. Um, And basically... They say, the Ultimania game says that three named Whispers, uh, they take the fighting style from uh, Kadaj, Laz, and Yazoo. For those of you who haven't seen Advent Children, they are the Sephiroth clones that are um, uh, basically, they, for many Americans, come out of nowhere and are just in that movie, and you're like, why, why do we fear them? But in Japan, it's a little bit of a different story. So, for instance, Kadaj comes from a Final Fantasy VII novelization called the kids are all right a turk story um and <laughs> it's uh his name uh is a pun uh it's derived from uh, a character in the book who names him because he took on the appearance of a dead friend but it also means incomplete in persian apparently i don't speak okay. Farsi or persian so i can't <laughs> verify that but uh that's at least what uh the wikis that I have looked at said um, there's Yazoo, which is named from a geographical feature, the Yazoo stream, a small river that runs alongside eventually joining a larger river. Also might be a reference to a British synth pop band. And <laughs> then there's, then there's laws, which makes me angry um, where uh, Kashishige Nojima, um, who the person who wrote Evan children. And I think who's also decaged cage to,
1: and uh, I yeah, I believe that year. is the person who has been uh, writing the good, the good stuff. Band yeah, good stuff. <laughs> um,
2: but Laws is supposed to be sort of childlike, and they kind of dipped into some really yucky, uh, developmentally disabled tropes. And it's like, oh, that's not great. And the idea is, I, I say all that because each of them has a particular style of weapon. Like, uh, I I'm not going to recall immediately. Um, but one uses a sword, one uses a gun, and one uses fists. And the idea from the Ultimania Guide is that these named Whispers are, in fact, dodge laws and Yazoo. Now, I don't like that. I'm just going to straight up say yeah. I, would, I don't like that. Um, yeah. I don't think that's a compelling narrative decision. No. I think the better narrative decision would be if that was Cloud, Tifa, and Barrett from the OG game. You know, I think that would be really
1: cool. <laughs> the So what you run into there is do they want to ensure that that future is what happens? Right. Like, do Cloud Tifa and Barrett want to ensure the future of Final Fantasy VII, the original, is what comes to pass? Right. And that, that would be an interesting question. Like,
2: especially how ambiguous the original game ended, because the, the game ends with... Meteor crashing into the planet and the life stream coming in, and that's and then it fades to white. <laughs> and then
1: the, well you, you get uh red thirteen. Oh, yeah, right. uh, Nanaki, uh running with his family. Uh, yeah. yeah. But so we don't you don't see any humans. No. It, it, you, yeah So that's uh, kind of what happened to civilization, as right. it were, uh right. is kind of left open. Yeah. Yeah. And I
3: I was sort of when I was playing it, I was trying to think along similar lines, but also like, what if it's actually even characters like um, I couldn't get Vincent out of my head for the gun, oh, that's the gun great one. Vincent idea because the gun, the <laughs> guns look like Vincent's guns. They don't. They like so that was something I couldn't shake, and like I, I started going down like thought experiments of like, well, what if it's Tifa, Vincent, and Zach, and something bad has happened and it's not actually related to the story of the original game necessarily um, so I think there's a lot of way more interesting narrative
1: directions it could go in well, than what Ultimania <laughs>
3: uh,
1: one of them uh, I don't remember which one's which but one of them has guns with the Kadaj laws and Yazoo uh, uses guns so that's do they all use gun no okay one uses no, a sword no. one uses a gun one has no, one that
3: I do think that it's an interesting there's a there's a thread that I haven't gotten too deep into and we don't have to unpack it all right now. But one of my favorite things about this game and why even despite its shortcomings, it's um, one that I, uh, you know, really, really deeply enjoyed um, is I find the premise of a creator revisiting sort of the 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 work that defined their career to an extent Um, and sort of brought them into catapulted them into the, the sort of the, the role that they, that Nomura ended up in specifically. Um, And, and he's confronting that work from a perspective of kind of what would I do differently now, while in the game, in the work, acknowledging that there are forces uh, that don't want things to be different and that are dedicated to the way that the, that that original Uh, So like that whole concept um, is really core to part to why I loved the remake so much. Um, And given that level of introspection (laughs) at the at the history of one's body of work, I find it shocking that he would go to (laughs) like arguably the worst piece of fiction (laughs) tied to any of his (laughs) works. (laughs) But, but also, is that surprising? Direction. Really,
0: for for Nomura to do that specifically?
3: I think it's surprising given the context of what he achieves with the rest of Final Fantasy VII remake. I, I think sure. We're, not not that I mean you know I, I've come to really love Kingdom Hearts, so this is not a this is not a, a, a I'm not dunking on Kingdom Hearts. It wouldn't surprise me as much, or I should say, it didn't surprise me as much when he did a similar thing in Kingdom Hearts three. When he did similar things in Kingdom Hearts three. Um, but I'm surprised that he would do it in Final Fantasy VII remake because to me, it's a way to say like Advent Children doesn't really matter. Um, mm-hmm. And and I and and I actually enjoy watching the visual parts of Advent Children. Like I, I find the 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 a lot of the um, action sequences and stuff really compelling. So I don't mind watching that movie. I completely tune out. I, I ignore all the story stuff because it's bad. Um, but I think that it is a fun it's I feel very similar to, to it as I do to final fantasy and the spirits within <laughs> wow. one of the other final fantasy films, which is, it's a very enjoyable visual treat and I just don't think about it too much.
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: So yeah, I don't know. I hope that's not the way it goes. Um, I also don't think I'm confident that Namura knows for sure where it goes. So
0: yeah, like that's the, that's the other thing, right? Is like this is such an un I I don't want to say that it's necessarily unprecedented but I can't think of another time where you plan for a for one story to be told over 10 over 10 to 15 years possibly I mean it, it could not be that it could be we could have this thing wrapped up in 5 years but I don't think that we get a gamer every two years. I think it's going to be longer than that. Uh, based well,
1: think- on the, yeah, based on what they've said uh, with like some of the Ultimania stuff, interviews is like, yeah, we're planning Final Fantasy revolutions or Final Fantasy seven reloaded or re remake or whatever they end up calling it. My favorite quote from all of that is that the asking Nomura, what does Final Fantasy seven remake mean? And he laughs and says, wait a few years and we can talk. <laughs> Big David Lynch energy. Huge <laughs> David Lynch energy.
3: Just in that quote. I don't laugh yeah. and not respond. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Just say. And yeah. so yeah, by the time you've reached the end, like we talked a lot on the podcast about how remake Final Fantasy VII remake as a title is so unhelpful and misleading. Because for many people, they're assuming, oh, it's the full game. It's. You know, but it's without appending
3: a part one or something. I think it is frustrating. And I think one of the biggest frustrations of me uh, for me with this game, um, and I don't actually think it's the game's fault because I don't personally have a problem with this. Um, But I have a friend who um, their partner is a huge Final Fantasy fan, Final Fantasy seven fan specifically. And, um, you know, he was like, she's so excited for Final Fantasy seven remake. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's great. Uh, I'm curious to see where they end it. And he said, What do you mean? And I explained that it's part one of a remake. And he related to her and she was devastated. And then right. that's, that's he, terrible, said, like, he, he said to me, She's decided she's just gonna play it all once it's all done and out.
0: Oh and no. And I was and so
3: I've spent oh. months at this point trying to convey that like <laughs> you should just <laughs> you should she should play the game.
0: Because <laughs> it's <laughs> not it's gonna I
1: be th- there, and at I this mean, point eight of these games, we don't know. This, we we've talked a bit about how uh, the story changes. And at this point, like there are people who are upset about the way this game ends. Uh, I I am not one of them. I, I don't think anyone here is Jeff or, or I don't know if you're. Yeah. Uh, so to be someone who has that much passion for Final Fantasy seven and then to go, I'm going to wait till they finish the remake And then to start playing it and get to the end of that first game and then go, oh, no. Like, I can't even imagine what that would do to a person. Like, I've got 120 more hours of game and yeah. I, I am crushed because this thing that was so, at least now the people who are mad can just go, I'm not, I'm not playing anymore. doesn't count. Yeah. It's not real. And, but, and I mean, to
3: be clear, I think I, I kind of echo, uh, again, to echo Austin Walker, I kind of would say you can go play final fantasy seven. Yeah. 100. Um, and, and I, and I don't, I think it's a much more interesting work given that it does
1: diverge, but yeah, it's, yes, I, it's uh, a, yeah. <laughs> this game is better for doing the divergence and saying there people, you know, there are mods and things for final fantasy seven that to bring Aerith back into your party after she dies. They're like the, it's not the end of disc. Is it the end of disc one in the game? I think, yeah, that sounds right. Oh, when, so to bring her Airste back into Airste your party. Or yeah. In the original, yeah, that's a, uh... In the original, it's disc one. Yeah. She does. Uh, so like, you know, the, and there are mods to bring her back into your party, like Game Shark and whatever. About but frontier. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it, but it doesn't like change the story in any meaningful way. It's just, oh, she's in your party. But it'll be interesting to see. D- does Aerith die? Does someone else die? Does she die later? Does she d- let d-
0: herself d- d- die? It. Did any did anybody think in the in the 10 seconds before the whisper saved him that they were going to kill Barrett?
3: Yes, actually. I was I, not I, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah it, mm, I was like that's weird. I don't remember this happening, but also <laughs> the whispers have you don't really know what the whispers are at that point, so it wouldn't it would have been like a holy shit one i can't believe they killed barrett because they've already done him dirty but two specifically like the dirtiest in that sequence by the way yeah yeah that that uh you can't kill him, you can't let him die you'll be just as bad as him like come on
3: yeah fuck off. and also but, that Barrett right. would allow shinra to get his gun out from under the yeah. desk like, like it, that was a whole, than that. come on
1: uh, such
3: a come on so <laughs> yeah. naive
0: but it's also just such a disappointing sequence because they don't let it hang in the air at all. They're just like, oh, whisper to the rescue in in 10 seconds and not even Yeah. Like, like I, you yeah. you you almost don't even have time to linger on the fact that that's what happened because it like
3: I I did actually think he he was going to I I had a I mean, I knew what the whispers were at that point. I figured out what the whispers were around the the church sequence. Um that's mm-hmm. when it became pretty clear to me what their deal was. Um but I actually was simultaneously sad because I, I, despite my criticisms of his portrayal and characterization, I think Barrett, I like Barrett a lot. Um, And so I was sad that he potentially could have died, but I was also like, this is interesting and was very intrigued at the prospect of continuing the story without him. And it actually in the moment didn't even occur to me that the whispers were going to bring him back because I hadn't really considered that as part of their rule set. Um, right. to me, they were trying to prevent things from happening or make sure things happen, but the idea that they could just bring someone back to life hadn't really crossed my mind. So yeah. I, I, I was actually in a weird way, like up sad, but also kind of excited to see how that would shift the
1: narrative of the whole
3: story. Um, right.
1: yeah. And it's, it sets up the whispers in that moment. It's like, Oh, these things are very powerful and so it kind of paves the way for that ending chapter right and I think to have more stakes and like oh we're we're up against some shit here and, and I think just, the question, oh it's fate quote unquote
3: the question at this point is what were the ramifications of defeating that giant whisper um,
1: yeah
3: did that have a was that a like was that a kingdom hearts ending where it doesn't really matter that you defeated it because it'll just come back yeah. Um, or was that some kind of fine? Was there a degree of finality to that? And and was that the symbol of you beat the whisper? So now anything can happen.
0: Um, I think. I I I think that second thing that you're talking about is supposed to be the 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 generally accepted uh uh point is that now that they've killed the the fate um that that, that the timeline itself is anything goes
3: and i also wonder what Genova has
1: okay
3: i thought that we lost you for a second please go ahead jeff oh no 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 um oh,
2: that's no, it's all good it's all good um so one of the things that um i keep coming back to when it comes to like I mean, there's a, there's a pretty clear like free will versus determinism kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to wade into that one um, because that would take another four hours to (laughs) unpack. But um, I think the, we get some thematic hints. Like one of the things that really hit me in the, what was it? The, uh, we might've actually lost. uh, What do they call it? Uh, The edge of creation. Yeah, the, the, the sort of odd dimension where we have sort of a re, redo of the um, Omni slash fight um, yeah. mm-hmm. a, after, mm-hmm. after all of that. And the music cue there is to me was like a loud hint because the music cue there is directly from the um, City of Ancients track in the OG game. Like that is the melody line, like literally. And that is the area where Aerith dies. Like that is where um mm-hmm. uh, she's she meets Sephiroth's sword in an unfortunate way. And I I'm sitting here going, okay. And that that lingering question of seven seconds, what will you change? And how Sephiroth very carefully guides Cloud to not think about those flash those flashbacks of the white materia in the in the water, which are all referencing Aerith's yeah. death. Mm-hmm. Um And so I think one one thing that is a really big sort of looming thing is we may not get like a a complete, like, you know, Sartrean libertarianism when it comes to, you know, anything can happen, but I I think there's still going to be the major plot beats. But I think one major tonal shift that some choices that the writers have ahead of them if they haven't already written it is either we're going to tell a story where fate wins anyway and Aerith dies or, and then we all get to suffer together while we watch that and cry forever. Um, or we like, uh, I think Pat and I were talking about this where everyone lives, but something really, really wrong yeah. happens, you know, where it's, it's, it's just incredibly wrong
1: or, and we, then they have to kill Aerith themselves <laughs> right or some
2: some kind well, of horrific thing or someone else dies you know yeah. I've seen a lot of YouTube stuff where it was like I mean I, I think it would be interesting if actually Cloud died um, <laughs> and then Zach would like subbed in <laughs> but yes you know, that would be, that you get would be Zach in there way, and yeah yeah, exactly. So I don't know. That's, that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it, where I think it's still, it's soft determinism to use a philosophical term. It's it's AJ air. It's not freaking start.
3: No. And I mean, I, to, t- to be honest with you, um, certainly I concede the potential value in conversations about determinism, um, from a philosophical perspective,
2: oh. Uh, we we don't have to go into that. <laughs> I,
3: I can't imagine a more boring question to me that this game could, could pose <laughs> 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 to me. I, I mean, I am very uh, I, I I guess it doesn't really come up that much when we talk about things on the cast, but stories that are like question the nature of fate and determinism are you could, there's not a way to get me to check out faster. Um, (laughs) so I have no interest in that angle. And I hope that I think it's fine. The seeds that they plant that make you think that's the direction it's going. I don't have Mm -hmm. a problem with that. And in the way that they talk about that in the story that's presented here, but I really do hope that the next steps are more interesting. Um, and I would love to see a situation where, um, like we had talked about, like perhaps everyone lives and, and not and something happens and not go the tropey way, which is, you know, a price, a cost must be paid. Fate must be appeased somehow. To me, it's more yeah. f- look at it from a like a chaos theory perspective. If you're going to engage with ideas of changing the story, butterfly um, effect, you got you got. Ashton yeah. And I mean, that's here. that's crass and, and perhaps reductive. And I'm not saying that, like. Determinism sucks. Chaos theory is where it's at. That's not at all my point. <laughs> um, right, right, right. <laughs> what I, what, but, but I think um, there's a much more interesting angle that you could take. Uh, and I really hope that they lean into that. And and what's the reason I have hoped that they might is that Nomura tends to um be willing f- to sort of take where you think something is going and Twisted in a direction that is not always like narratively sound, but yeah. is at least interesting.
0: But, um, but also sometimes disappointing. Sure, right. Y- I, w- you play Kingdom Hearts three, and you expect at some point um, you're you're going to be able to play as Kyrie, and you don't, and you have to wait until the DLC. And and even well, it's just
1: questionable.
3: And and I mean, the narrative, I, I, we've yeah. talked at length about, like, yeah. I enjoy the ending of that game. Uh, it's not particularly good from a storytelling perspective, um, which different spoiler cast that I wasn't on. Go yeah. listen to that one. Um, but but yeah, I hope that, that the result here is that we get into some really weird territory, I guess. And I think you're right that the the the, the general beats will be there. We'll go to some mm-hmm. gold saucer. We'll go mm-hmm. to 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 calm. We'll go to all the different places. We'll meet Sid eventually. Like, that's all going to happen
1: Until until like the ereth like until the temple of the ancients like that whole scenario i don't know how much they might like uh, deviate like until then i feel like it's a pretty straight path at least for the mo- at least through what i've played i'm up to cosmo canyon and i'm like okay yeah i feel like all this could go in pretty much as is like tidy it up a bit uh, in terms yeah. of like story stuff and whatnot, but like if well, if if the if the winds of fate have been uh have been changed, then I don't know if they have to change much until we get there i th- I think Watch there it's are like
2: forty hours of fort condor
1: <laughs> yeah yeah
3: <laughs> i think um though that there are some very interesting questions that uh the very end poses with moments like seeing biggs alive right and uh the zach stuff that do make me wonder if maybe
1: actually it's going to be very different Um, i i hope it is uh i hope that so i think another thing that we alluded to much, much earlier in the podcast it, Jeff brought it up is what does Aerith know? Like, uh-huh. because there are multiple moments where she is like, obviously not saying anything or we're not getting to hear what she says. Like her moment where she meets Marlene and whispers something to her to get her to go with her. Yeah. I actually forgot about that. Like, yeah what was that? And cause that, that moment's not in the original game. Like you, she saves Marlene, but you don't see anything there. And then when, uh, they're getting glimpses of the future in that final moment against the, the fate boss, uh, they see like Cloud's like, what was that? And Aerith's like, I'm not saying anything because I know too much, but Red Red 13's like, oh, it's, you know, glimpses of the future that might come or will come if we fail here and stuff like that. Yeah. It's what what do we think Aerith knows? Do we think this is Aerith is in the right place? Is this an Aerith who knows more than she's supposed to know?
0: Oh. I think maybe maybe knows more, but I don't necessarily like y- y- you talk about it being a, a different Sephiroth. I don't necessarily think it's a different Erith, if that makes sense.
1: It's like a Sephiroth out of time and place.
0: Right. Okay. Like I, 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 I think that the, that the Sephiroth that we see is, not the Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. but I do think that Aerith is supposed to be the same Aerith. I just think that it's better characterization as to what her abilities are.
1: Okay.
3: I I think that um, there is a um, suggestion that... This the the, the glimpse that we get of the potential for there to be like other worlds than this one, um, are interesting, and I think that perhaps there are a lot of Aeriths and there's one Aerith, and because of her sort of abilities she perhaps has is tapped into a lot more about what happens for her in the future and in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so I don't necessarily think it's like, this is an ereth We're in an alternate dimension. Um, I think it, it has more to do with an attempt at sort of like um, giving this character a wider range of knowledge than she had in the original game. Um, And I wonder how much one thing that always struck me in the original Final Fantasy seven is the sequence where she dies. When I was a kid, it always struck me as like, oh, she knew this was coming and she didn't really she just kind of accepted it. And uh I find that interesting, given the context here. And I don't know if that was because the fidelity of animation wasn't there. So you couldn't really portray the like pain and um and 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 like any kind of, and and sort of like um emotion around that experience for her but yeah I don't know um I wonder how much that is going to, to deviate and, and if there really is anything there and I think anything's possible so I'm hesitant yeah. to like say I absolutely think it's this <laughs>
1: and there's the implications in I can't remember if it happens in seven, but I think Advent Children, coming back to that, definitely yeah. implies that Aerith could have come back like Sephiroth did after everything that happens in Nibelheim, but she just chose not to because like, her abilities as a Cetra uh, kind of let her hang out in the live stream and yeah. be chill. Uh, and if she really wanted to, she could come back, but. I think there's something too that she knew what was going to happen when she dies in the original. I don't necessarily think she knew when she was in Shinra Tower or anything like before, sure, But sure, at, sure. like at that moment, she's like, uh, "Yeah, I'm, I got to go do this thing, and I'm gonna die, but yeah, it's it's the right thing to do." Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out because. I fully expect her to make the same choice uh, if it comes up but will it play right. out the same way as up to up yeah. for debate up I, to cloud.
0: I am I am so torn on whether I want uh, because not to be not to be reductive but I sort of look at Aerith's death as like the Gwen Stacy of video games uh
1: Forget the Citizen Kane. We're looking for the Gwen Stacy.
0: <laughs> well, just because, like, historically, with the way that, like, killing Gwen Stacy meant that comics got to be dark and "quote unquote" real and gritty in a way. Um, sure. And so there, there, there's a part of me that doesn't want Aerith to to die, but also like. I'm also okay with it if she, if there is way more of a like oh this is her choice like this is what she's doing type of of thing
3: Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm ready for whatever's coming I I guess. I think yeah. I'm 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 interested to see. I just hope it's interesting um and not just uh we don't get part 2 and Everything happens just the same way as it did, and it turns out all of the stuff that happened that was weird was
2: a one off or something so yeah, no, like uh, one of the things that um so <clears throat> slight tangent, but I, I promise it's relevant um the death of aerith um didn't hit i mean it was obviously emotional and I, like reacted to it when it was thirteen and it was very affecting but like the the way that Aerith's death kind of hit me was ameliorated by um, the fact that I was a fantasy star fan and for and which is a JRPG series for the Sega Genesis where you had very um and, and in fact two of the games, you had two uh permanent character deaths that occurred that were extremely traumatic and were just like, holy shit, okay. I'm I'm wow. Um and one of the things that that game I think did well is to highlight the agents, and I think this is dovetailing uh, around to Chris's point um, in support of it, because it's like if if it's an agential choice that Aerith goes, okay, I need to integrate into the live stream in order to really get Holy off, in order to get the white material to work. Yeah, so that means I need to let this happen, and I'm going to do that. Um, that's a stronger narrative choice than you know have her be fridged for the sake of the planet or the sake of the party or sake of the story. Um, that would, that would irritate me quite a bit. Um, yeah. So I think one, one direction I would, I mean, I already kind of laid my cards on the table of like, you know, I, I would actually like to see cloud die and see Zach take over. But like in the case of like, <clears throat> you know, if it's Aerith or, or nothing, um, I would be interested to find out like, what what Aerith living would mean and rather than having it be a sense of like selfishness or of a sense of creativity or play where Because it's a totally different game at that point. Right, exactly. It's like all of a sudden you do have an Aerith who meets Sid. You know, you do have an Aerith who, you know, goes to Wutai and, you know, sees Ultimate weapon, ultimate weapon, and ruby weapon, and emerald weapon, and all that. Um, there it's a very, very different game. You have a hell, you have an Aerith who helps reunite Cloud's uh dissociative stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That, that whole section is gonna transform yeah. if she lives, <laughs> yes,
3: in a cool so, way. I would love to see how yeah. that works. Yeah. That's kind of why I don't want cloud to die too, even though I can see the the argument for how yeah. interesting that would be. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you could yeah. have him die later,
2: but yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely.
1: I also so, think
3: yeah. I, I like stories that, I mean, obviously character death is a really useful narrative device that, um, is good. I have a lot of thoughts about character death in media, um, in, in fiction. um, that we don't have to, that's my four hour tangent, but, um, <laughs> I just think that you can tell a story where characters don't die, that there doesn't have to be, a, that angle to extract emotion from people. I think you can create events. I think you could still create tragedy even, um, which is why I say that like, for me, the most interesting outcome would be everybody living, but something else happens, um, and you know maybe they all end up dying in the end i don't know but but like the to get there um you know something things go awry and there's a different form of tragedy and and um and emotional weight that doesn't just lean on someone that you like dying um which i don't mean to denigrate like the way that that's done in the original game it was a different different place in the the video games journey. So, um definitely not like saying I think that 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 it's bad that it happens in the original, but I think it would be so much more interesting to sort of see what the game looks like if all those characters are are intact. Um so,
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of of 4 hour tangents, I have a th- I have a thing about how I could how I re- how I really want to write a uh, a fan fiction that is uh, Aerith and Yuffie escape together to Traverse Town and that's how Traverse Town gets started <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like gonna, that I'm telling you there's going to be a canonical reference to Kingdom Hearts before this
3: whole saga is over
1: <laughs> yeah I, I think um, man what that- if at the end of Kingdom Hearts 3 that secret video was Sora and Midgar <laughs> God God please don't <laughs> What
3: if? what if Oh, it would um, be, yeah. so be so good, though. It would be so good. I think. What that are these weird
1: creatures? They're whispers of fate. You got to They can only be beaten with a keyblade. <laughs> <laughs> Launching on the PS5, <laughs> Kingdom Hearts re-remake.
0: I, I I love that Jeff has as much disdain as we have love for Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> I, that, that, I uh, it's tough. okay. It's no, a
3: good I, counterbalance.
0: I I no I I totally appreciate it because we are just total fanboys at this point, and Jeff is like the one sensible person in reality that's like, hey, this isn't great. Like this, a lot of this stuff isn't great. <laughs> uh.
2: Yeah, but I, I have a nothing but love. I have nothing but love for Kingdom Hearts fans. I'm so happy that that there is a there's a series that gives you joy in this horrible bleak life hellscape thing that we're in together, and like <laughs> I never want totally. to take that away.
0: <laughs> no, totally fair. I think
3: oh. uh, the before we kind of wrap up, I am curious what mm. everyone is kind of most anticipating. Assuming that we get similar narrative beats through through the rest. I mean, obviously, I think things will be a little different. But, you know, is it is it calm? Is it Gold Saucer? Is it Wu Tai? Uh, is it the crater? What's everyone looking forward to the most
1: snowboard oh. game. Oh no Oh, so, uh, oh no, no. Actually, no. <laughs> the Oh least, I'm upset now <laughs> No like any of those things Like any of those mini game things Based on this game and playing the original I am not looking forward to any of it Because I think anything outside of the combat And the general running around Oh the game is terrible Is yeah. ass like the yeah, That
2: parade in Junin
1: oh. Yeah no that's uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to I like seeing the backstory stuff they do, like with, uh, with Sephiroth, how they flesh that out, how they develop him as a character, especially because this will be for at least some people. It'll be their first exposure. And for this, like for the remake series, it'll be the first real, like who is Sephiroth? What, what is his deal? And I'm looking forward to see. If that changes how that um, how does how that's depicted, because it's he comes across as not a great dude, but cloud just totally idolizes him in that uh, that sequence. So I'm looking forward to seeing how that maybe informs some of the stuff we've seen. And if we get hints of that Sephiroth knows more going back to Nibelheim even.
0: Um, I obviously don't have like the same touchstones for, for narrative. Sure. I'm all all flying blind at this point, but I am super interested to see how uh a Yuffie and a and a Zack play in the system because you fight Yuffie and Kingdom Hearts for as an optional like Coliseum fight, but um so I just don't know. I, w- I, I would maybe they fight e- fight each other Do they fight each other in the original game? uh,
1: Yuffie and who? Hmm?
0: And the party or cloud? Uh, You actually
1: do the way you get Yuffie is after like after the Nibble or after calm, you go to like a chocobo ranch. Then you go through and basically shortly after uh, Midgar, you go into a forest and you just randomly encounter her. And then you have to fight oh. her, and you beat her, and then you have to do like a dialogue tree. And if you pick the right things, then she'll join your party.
0: Huh? So it's it it, it it's it's not even a thing where it's it's like guaranteed that you can no, get her. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: She and Vincent huh. are secret characters.
0: Yeah. And, and oh, that's just hilarious that she becomes this like central force in Kingdom Hearts, and yeah. you you aren't even guaranteed to get her in your game. Like that is so, I love Nomura so much. That is, <laughs> oh God.
1: That is I, and like Zach, it'll be interesting to see what they do with Zach uh, if they bring him in. But yeah, I don't I don't know. Yeah, like um, the thing. That- he is just, he is just cloud, like in terms of what he would be gameplay wise, right? Like, cause that's what cloud based his whole shtick off of. Right, he's probably like a
2: more refined version of Cloud because Cloud wasn't very good at being a soldier. Yeah. <laughs> this is also true. You know. um, so yeah, like the thing that I'm I'm probably looking forward to the most. Um, we're if I had to choose a series of things, one big question I have is how are they gonna handle Sid? Like yeah,
1: like how are they gonna <laughs>
2: handle? him
1: yeah he is, he, you want to know what's fucked up uh, what? well, you continue, uh well in the manual he's like 39 it's like this old sailor <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> right and like he um the thing that that that
2: troubles was so later in the game you know you arguably he's mechanically he's one of my favorites oh that, yeah yeah but like <sighs> story wise i'm worried because he is one of the most hyper abusive and uh, overtly misogynistic people that you pick He's, up and and i'm and i'm i'm real worried about how they're going to write and him and i remember this is i mean it's cuz i was a
3: child so mm-hmm. <laughs> but in the game originally when i i thought sid was hilarious i was like this guy is so funny. He says all this crazy stuff that Barrett almost says, but doesn't quite get there. (laughs) And so, but in retrospect, um, I enjoyed that stuff because I was a child and implying that the character was swearing was very funny to me. Uh, Yeah. As an adult, I don't know. (laughs) It's going to be really interesting.
2: Because how he treats his assistant is really bad. Oh Um, yeah, absolutely. And other people in the party. Yep. Uh, Yeah. Pretty bad. Um, so yeah. I'm hoping that, I mean, to take a page from Tim Rogers's excellence, And I recommend if, 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 if y'all haven't heard it to go through and listen to let's Mosey, uh, or look up on YouTube, let's Mosey Tim Rogers. And he goes through the Japanese translation of, um, Final Fantasy seven. And he brings out like an interesting thing about Sid, which is like the guy speaks in a kind of, um, uh, not quite a Yakuza sort of, uh, accent or dialect. <laughs> But he he's very much evoking these sort of old timey gangster movies, um, mm-hmm. and he's it's less about the abuse and it's more about like he's he's meant to be a kind of roughneck, um, yeah. And he, just the localization procedure ended up making him a huge this huge jerk. Um, so I'm curious about that. I'm also curious about um, everything that everyone has said. I'm curious about completely, but there's one like weird question, which is, are we going to have to put in the 50 hours that we had to put in the original game to get the gold Chocobo?
3: (laughs) (laughs) I've talked to,
1: I've talked to Pat about this a lot. Like the open world stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and to me, yeah, yeah, you you can start because you have a lot more like passionate feelings about yeah, it. Yeah, I, I mean, we I think we kind of it kind of gets back to what I was saying. My relationship
3: with that original game is, um, which and I think we kind of come down on opposite sides of it, but to me, the fact that you could walk out of a town, get into the airship, and then fly all over the world was like very core to my appreciation of the original game and the fact that there were things and it's interesting because now you kind of get this stuff, but with the internet, it's impossible to really get it. But for me, the original game had almost like a fez like quality of there is something here. There's stuff here that isn't on the surface that you have to like, Dig around for and stuff, and I didn't have the strategy guide when I first played the game, but I did know someone whose uh cousin said that there's this really wild summon you can get if you really if you if you breed chocobos a bunch and stuff like that, so those qualities were important to me at the time. the fact that you could grind for hours and hours and hours and get a gold chocobo and you know, the nights of the round existed and stuff that was all um, really important to my experience of the original game. And I think it's going to be all, there'll be a part of me that's pretty disappointed if we don't get those things. But at the same time, you know, in the conversations that Andre and I have had, I can see how delivering that experience through these this sort of episodic format is just not practical too, so right. I'm also very curious, Jeff, about how that stuff is 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 considered
0: um, i could if, if if I can sort of posit a solution to that question mm-hmm. i think it would it, 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 yeah words it would very much be uh like a final Fantasy X situation where you can just go and and and, and do the stuff you need to do but also the entire time you could be on the airship, like looking for specific monsters or what have you, Or
1: but, doing, but I mean the final fantasy 10 version is the airship is a menu. Like you can go around and talk to your people on the airship, but then you're not walking around. You're not flying. You're and. Uh, talking to Pat this is the thing he wants is he wants to fly over that map and yeah. the the world and feel it's the scale fine. where I don't, f- I don't see them being able to yeah. really accomplish that and for me it's fine if it
3: ends up being a glorified menu where I'm flying around the map and then pushing a button in specific yeah. contextual places I don't need to be able to land anywhere and walk around but yeah the, for some reason that act of like tactile control of the ship is, is kind of important to me and um, so We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Uh,
1: They could do the Final Fantasy 15 to uh, make your car fly. I haven't gotten that far
3: in Final Fantasy 15. So that
1: that is a Uh, like end game. No, I know. Yeah. Some nightmare platforming. That that game was not built for.
3: I'm going to (laughs) play Final Fantasy 15 probably before the next part of Final Fantasy 7 comes out. So
1: all right i i never played the dlc maybe i should do that it's on game pass
2: but the deal, the, the dlc or it has makes the the original game far more interesting especially with uh what's his name
1: parpto prompt prompto, prompto sorry but, uh, uh <laughs> ignis i i hear ignis's stuff is fascinating but uh yeah that's another ignis's podcast is <laughs> it is uh but are um, there any other kind of closing thoughts on on this game um I, I'm going to
2: jump in very, very, very quickly and sort of point at something. Um, and maybe I'll just write an article that I'll, I'll give to you, Andre, uh, sure. about this. Um, Wallmarket, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. <laughs> something we did not touch up on as no. much as we could have. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, Wallmarket, uh, I think, is really encapsulated well by the case of Misfolia, which I discovered today um, where I was replaying it. Uh, because apparently the uh, the person who takes care of the orphans in Aerith's hometown, oh, Sector 5, yes, uh, yeah. she moonlights as a honeybee dancer. Yes, and, yeah. And there's there's a thing. There's like a whole bunch of stuff there that we should look at. And it we should also see the ways in which it's similar to Persona 5's Miss Kawakami and the maid thing. Um, so there's some really interesting kind of political things happening there. Um, I think Wall Market, when it works like especially with the Andrea Rodea stuff, I'm like, okay, this is fun. This, can, this is very, you know, 90s queer eye uh, kind of uh, affirmation. But there's still the larger context, which is all the gays are with the criminals and segregated because I did not see any signs of non-heteronormative life outside of Wall Market. And I think yeah. that's a problem. Yeah. And that's the really quick version
1: of that. <laughs> we don't see a ton of signs of a ton of life outside of wall market anyway, <laughs> like in general, like everything, like it's a lot of people standing around and like, you know, you get some, yeah. but like we don't get like culture really through yeah. things other than like, you know, you get the loveless poster and like, Oh, they've got acting and you know, Jesse's an actress, but mm-hmm. like th- that's True. the only uh, like shot yeah, that, of culture that. that we get. So Hard, hard I'll I'll say. I'll address that in the article. Okay, yeah. We'd love to <laughs> post that on the site. But yeah, the that whole scene is uh less less insulting than it could be. But I'm not uh I, equipped to really talk about it myself. Yeah.
0: I I I'll just say that I was expecting it to be a lot worse than it actually was. Yeah. And so
1: Yeah.
3: I I definitely was um. Uh, I think the frustration I have with that sequence is that there are so many parts of it that are so close to actually saying something interesting um, totally and then they don't really say anything interesting and then they kind of backslide to well it's not as insulting as it could be but then also like you're saying Jeff there are aspects of it that I think if you examine are problematic because of their implications uh, I, so
1: yeah it's much 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 better than what happens in the original <laughs> like oh my god i the sequence so there are like multiple sequences you can get in the honeybee inn in the original yeah. and the one i got uh was a bunch of dudes and speedos come in to your room and they're like oh let's all take a bath and cause i don't i don't really don't want to take a bath with like 20 dudes in this little hot tub <laughs> And it's, they're like, yeah, it's, it's very much played
2: for laughs, laughs, like, yeah, yeah it's, it's insultingly. Yeah. It's, it's bad. So I, I lost did, did, my connection for just a minute. So I, I, I just came into 20 guys in a bathtub and like, Oh, just talking about the, <laughs> talking about
1: the original honeybee in sequence and how, Oh yeah. One of the options there is to, to get the underwear you need for your costume yeah. is uh, yeah. to get is like the lady's like, Oh, you want the group room? Okay. And then she runs out and then twenty dudes and speedos run in. Yeah, so did, hey Bubby.
0: Yeah. Did did anybody have the have the gill when it came up to pay for like the third level of the massage? Oh
1: yeah. I did. And the the, the yeah, hand I, the hand yeah. massage.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, oh. cause, cause I cause I only got the second level and the, and then he does this weird thing of like I can like move my hand, and it was a very weird thing.
1: Uh, the the third level is just it's a, it's it's masturbatory it's, in nature. It's porn. <laughs> it's just straight porn. It's, like
2: this is like you know some cloud hentai. So yeah.
3: yeah. Huh. I didn't uh, think. I th- I guess I maybe just got the first level. I didn't th- know that there were multiple levels to get.
1: Yeah, and he's just like, oh, oh.
3: <laughs> I mean, like, I think I got the whole time. That. Yep. <laughs> I remember him moaning a lot behind yeah. a curtain. Yeah, it,
1: it,
0: it, it, you would have had to had to have paid ten thousand gil. I definitely paid
3: the money. Yes, I definitely paid that much. So I must have seen it. Yeah, that part I thought was like in a, in some you know like juvenile. much of Walmart. It, there were aspects of it that I actually thought were pretty clever and funny and like not in an insulting way. And then there's also the juvenile like I don't I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's. Mm-hmm. Walmart in a lot of ways is, I don't know the sequence. Like (laughs) it's, it's funny because um, my partner, and I talk a lot about it in regards to like, um, like the the Yakuza games. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that the Yakuza games, while not always, um, they don't always hit the mark when it comes to the way that they portray things like sex work and um, sexuality in general. But there's a, weird and I haven't played all of them. So, you know, by all means there could be issues in the, in the past, but like at least in Yakuza zero and Yakuza six, it's feels to me like it's always being earnest and genuine in trying to have a positive mindset about those things, even if it doesn't always understand what positivity in that space is. Whereas I do think there's some, like some of that's missing
2: from wall market in a way that is, uh, frustrating in the way that like Chocobo Sam is like straight up a sex trafficker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh huh.
3: Yeah. Uh huh.
2: Yeah. Yep. And then is your buddy.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm like mm, I don't that's like the stuff you, that <laughs> that's the stuff that like. Yeah, uh, some of that is 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 definitely frustrating. Um, and you know it's a re- it's kind of a recurring theme, even going back to Barrett with the president Shin- Shinra and stuff is like. Sometimes there's this like this idea of like, well, no, we could just like divorce ourselves from these characters and either whether it's violently letting them fall or just saying, you know what? Fuck you. I'm not going to like do your weird tasks. Mm -hmm. And and I do sometimes wish that the characters had a little more conviction in that in that sense. Yeah. Um, And and yeah, I don't know. I'll be interested to see in general how the 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 rest of the series portrays relationships and sexuality as the as we go forward because I definitely think that's my biggest um, frustration with the narrative of um, of the first part. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. Yep,
1: and that we will. Well, maybe we'll see if this ever gets finished <laughs> <laughs> between Kingdom yeah. Hearts uh, sequels and.
0: Is that phone thing out yet?
1: No, that is like the the maybe. Who knows? Maybe it is a card game somewhere. Yeah, it's a deck builder.
3: It's a deck building game.
0: It's it's like hidden in. It's like a game mode in their in their mobile app. But but I I I I I don't know if it's like out yet.
1: Wait, it's. it, oh, it's par- okay. we can't, we can't, can't talk no about we this. can't we can't do this <laughs>
0: we can't do this here sorry I, I didn't I, <laughs> no it's not your fault <laughs> no, you're, you're fine good.
2: you're good <laughs> uh, I'm just uh, the, I don't know how you made kingdom like it's it's two of my least favorite flavors in the world a collectible card game and kingdom hearts and I'm like oh oh no <laughs> <laughs> see the problem yeah, I'm really glad is like almost the
3: opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm really happy you're excited Pat. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not excited though that's the thing <laughs> 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 I have enough Kingdom Hearts and enough collectible card games in my life already. Okay, Just because I like good. those things doesn't mean I need more. That's good. That's good. There's a League of Legends a collectible card game now and it's good oh no
1: it's really good i don't good. need a kingdom hearts it's one. good <laughs> by the end of this there will be plenty of more card games they'll all be made in unreal 5 and they they'll have 20 trillion per triangles and oh, okay well anyway that's that, oh
3: man that imagine ha- pressing note
1: imagine how good some of the things in kingdom hearts we're not kingdom hearts Final fantasy 7 remake it. 2 <laughs> is gonna look and then how bad some of those great. textures are gonna like the door textures are just gonna look oh we didn't even shit. talk about
3: that some of those it's, it's not it's
1: not relevant but no the, but the there's sir
3: yeah some of the the yep. visuals and final fantasy 7 ps2
1: level like <laughs> door <not> textures good <laughs> Just imagine uh, all those triangles. They're going to look even worse. Well, there won't be pop-in in the next one, so... that's. Know. I think that's what they said about Unreal 4, but anyway. It's it <laughs> going to do it for our spoiler cast, I believe, unless anyone has any objections.
0: We get any questions? Any actual questions? Oh, oh. I believe there
1: was one actual question. There was one yeah. question about... And I, spe- I have an movie. answer to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, so
2: a a, a person asked, um, I don't have the Twitter in front of me. It um, is, believe it was
1: uh, Lawmanade, who is from the Super GG Radio Podcast. Awesome. Shout out to Super GG Radio Podcast. Um,
2: who asked uh, if how long it takes to get to um the Let's Mosey line. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and there's a couple of oblique references. The first, the first one you find is in the weapon dealer in sector seven, where he refers to cloud walking in as moseying, of course. Yep. Um, and then you have Aerith mentioning moseying to cloud while going across the rooftop.
1: Yeah. Yep. Uh, Doesn't she say let's mosey?
3: Yes. Uh, yes, she does. And I, my entire heart melted into Uh, like just like a liquid puddle, um, at the base of my body. When Aerith is like, "Let's mosey," I was like, "Oh my god!" Uh, I liked when she said, "Shit." (laughs)
1: was also good.
3: (laughs) The cutest. It was also. Oh yes Uh. the 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 um no what was the line I mentioned it to Andre but I don't know if I can find it in time.
0: My there's my favorite error thing is um when you're fighting is is it is it Reno.
1: Reno, Reno, Reno,
0: uh, Reno. Um, and she's like, "Please don't step on my flowers!" A- as you're like fighting <laughs> right. this dude, like trying to basically uh, save her life.
1: Man, the fight with Rude is so good too because he's just like, "I'm gonna do some Cesaro wrestling moves to you." <laughs> yep, and then he when you fight sunglasses. him, yeah, and yeah, <laughs> when you fight him on the plate, uh, he won't attack Tifa because he has a crush on her. Yep Which is uh, some good character work in the game Yeah
3: There is one line in particular That um, That Madam M says that's
1: Oh her name, right? Something about digging through shit Yeah Is that, yes. is that the one?
3: Uh, I'm pretty sure that's the one But now I'm having trouble finding it And it's making me mad because I really <laughs>
2: Let's is that the where she's cussing out Don Corneo? Yes. Yeah. She. Yeah. It's this long string of expletives, and it's glorious. Yes.
1: Learn to wipe your your own ass before rooting around in other people's shit. Yes.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: There's that, and then there's also the the point where she calls someone a piece of shit, and it's uh, very 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 aggressive, uh, and it's very funny too. So some of that writing is is really really good.
1: I I hope Don Corneo gets his uh, in the in the end of all this. I hope we get to uh, resolve any of that and kick his ass again. Yeah. Yeah. I hope Leslie gets gets revenge Uh, or at least closure because it seems like, you know, they they leave things hopeful in that story.
2: Yep, they do.
1: Leslie was a I ended up liking Leslie by the end of that. Even if he was a little mean to Aerith. <laughs> Everyone's wow. just so mean to Aerith in that sequence. <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: It's also, like, the, the, the Aerith steel chair thing is the top moments in, in, in video game for the rest of time. It's so good.
3: I found the line, too. It's that greedy bastard scum sucking piece of shit festering asshole. <laughs> that was the one. <laughs> I. Yep. That's it. Yes. I, okay. I clapped.
1: Well, <laughs> on that note, I think we're going to wrap it up for real this time. <laughs> yep. Uh, thank you all for joining us on the Final Fantasy 7 Gaming Fix Spoiler Cast. I've been your host, Andre Cole. You can find me on Twitter at CoolSlaw C-O-O-L-S-L-4-W. Chris, where can people find you?
0: You can find me on Twitter at Wheels1993. Uh, you can go to com to read a write-up of Crip Camp, which is a Netflix documentary that I did a write-up for for my friend's uh, newsletter.
1: Great. Uh, people should watch that on Netflix. Yeah. And, uh, Jeff, where can people find you? Uh,
2: You can find me on Twitter at Stranger Peace. That's P-E-A-C-E. And hopefully within the next month, uh, within the podcast meta genre. But... Uh, We'll do the launch party for that another time. Okay. (laughs) And Pat. You can find me on
3: Twitter at PJC plays. And that's where I am pretty much anywhere else. If you want to bother me on steam or you you still, or or whatever.
1: Yeah. You still streaming on mixer.
3: In theory, not this week, but that's because this week was uh, my breaking week during lockdown. So (laughs) Uh, by which I mean, uh, Time start, Started to really stop meaning anything, and I had a lot of work to do. So, <laughs> hopefully, I'll be on that mixer horse soon.
1: Here, and <laughs> you can find Gaming Fix on Twitter at Fix Podcasts or Fix.Space Space, where you can see reviews and keep up with all our regular podcasts. We'll have one going up probably af- I don't know, around the same time as this. I don't know exactly when this is going to go up but soon. Yeah, yeah, same gotta, a day. Yeah, yeah, I would think. Hopefully, uh, Alex is always on top of that stuff. So uh, thanks for joining me, everybody. Yeah. yeah. We'll yeah, reconvene in three to five years to talk about the <laughs> next <laughs> entry and Total. Great. This, uh, this, this compilation. Sounds Goodbye, good everybody. Thanks for listening.
2: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.